Welcome to episode 822 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 822 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, and yourself? Ca- casual Tuesday? Casual Tuesday. You know, biking up here today, a little bit of precipitation out there. Precipitation. Going to be hitting the bike at once uh, the indoor trainer once we're done. It's not that bad. No, it's not, but I didn't want to get wet, and I had to do a few other things. I am, indeed. You've got, you got your casual gear on, got, your hair's growing out a little bit longer. Yeah, getting ready for my pre-Kona buzz cut coming up soon. Will you go all, will, will you lose it all? No. Have you ever done it? I have done it, yep. Yeah. I've gone like shaved and it's... Uh, <laughs> have that, you got a photo of that? Sorry, I have got a photo of that actually. What yeah, put that on? Uh, I was actually, interestingly enough, was with uh, on a training camp in Flagstaff, Arizona in 1996. It was a bit toasty. Yeah. And got so to shave my hair off. Shave the head off and did it with uh, also with one of our guests from a couple of weeks ago, Jamie Hunt. We both got our heads shaved. And it was uh, it was a very good cooling effect. It was effective. However. Did you look stupid? Yeah, that's debatable. <laughs> I was only t- probably, what was I then? Uh, 2019. 2019. So you kind of thought everything was cool back then. Uh, but you do have to be very careful of sunburn. Very, oh, very course. careful. I did it when um, Lennox Lewis was fighting David Tua. Mm. So David Tua was New Zealand's best boxer probably of all time. Well, Parker did get the medal, well, get, did get the title, but Tua was a legend. But he was a bit short, and he had this knockout punch. Like, if he got you for his right hook, mm. it was game over. And he finally got a title bout against Lennox Lewis. And I said to my class, if, if Tua doesn't win, I'll shave my hair off. <laughs> And unfortunately, and Lewis was too long, just keeping yeah. him away all day. Uh, and I worked up to class on that Monday night, had no hair. No, I was committed. I'm talking proudly brought to you by Morton. Oh, I tell you what, guys, I tell you, everyone's using it, isn't it? Aren't they? They are. It's the on course supplier of most Ironman vents around the world and for their gels. A uh, revolutionary way to absorb more carbohydrates without the GI issues and used by plenty of the big names. So at the weekend, you saw Christian Blumenfeld using it, Flora Duffy uses it, Fredino, Gustav Eden, and along with Kipchoge, the sub-two-hour man. So check them out at morton.com. And it's M-A-U-R-T-E-N. Check it out. Tell you what, everyone's raving about it. Even That's like great. local athletes are not using it. Just mm. like, this is the, this is the, I can't really say the S word. Mm. This is the, it's the business. The business. Yeah. This is the business. We'll say, say thank you to our patrons. And good one. First up, Nick Knows Rose, also known as the Admiral, and we've got a couple of his mates who are in his training group on the show later on talking about St. George. Oh, good stuff. Uh, we've got Steve the Storm Diodonis. And Daniel, you have placed a chill on my heart, Stuart. Oh, that's a great one. I'm sure I came up with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this week's show, we've got some news. Obviously, big week in triathlon. We had the Ironman World Championships happening. Uh, we also have Hot Topic of the Week. We've got a few interviews, John. We have. I thought it was going to be good today to get a bit of a grasp on age group racing at St George because there's been plenty of pro interviews that have been going out, Breakfast with Bob and so on, um, and the pros are awesome 
but their interviews and the way that they tackle the course is quite different to age groupers. Uh, so I thought it would be good to get some age groupers on. We've got a nice spread. Um, we've got one guy who was... Um, towards the front of his age group, he got seventh, went 9.35. Uh, we've got a couple who are sort of, you know, pretty competitive in their age group, and then uh, one who is sort of a little bit further down the field. So got a, got a nice spread. Do you know the overall field numbers? Uh, Was it similar to I, Kona? Uh, we, can, we can have a look at that in a moment. Um, can I just say one thing before we dig into the results and, and the race itself? I did think it was odd that they had the Hawaiian ladies at the finish line. There was definitely a Hawaiian theme, and they had the uh, the drums beating and so on. So it did have that sort I of Hawaiian thought, well, theme. I, I, I kind of get it, you know. It's trying to trying to take it back to the Kona experience, but at the same time, why don't you embrace what St George has to offer? Mm. You know, maybe, maybe make it really Americana or something. Like I don't know what St George. Where is St George? It's in Utah. So why don't you do a real Utah themed? Uh, uh, no, I just thought it was. Like, <laughs> hey, come on, Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what Utah is famous Mormon for. State, is it? Well, well, why not? Um, I just, I just, I know. I thought it was funny, but anyway, what are you looking at? Well, I'm numbers? just trying to see. Yeah, it's going to take me bloody ages. We have to have a pause to to figure that out. Anyway, let's talk about the important things. Um, okay, so did, did you watch the whole race? I did not. I got up. I I didn't see an alarm, and I thought I'll. I'll get so up when I go. wake up and I thought that'd probably be about five o'clock and my strategy was I thought I'll just sort of fast forward through through the race and, and get the key moments. Did that quickly in the swim and then I thought, no, nah, bugger this, I'm actually just going to go to the live coverage because they still had... Well, you're uh, basically just as the run starting, isn't it? Well, no, they still had probably an hour to go on the bike, oh, okay. uh, if around about, something like that. Uh, so I thought, no, nah, I'll um, I'll just go over to the live coverage and, and watch that and it was uh, it was good. It was so I woke up about 6.30 and, because Sunday's my sleeping day and we had a big night Saturday night, and, um, and I, I didn't go back and watch it because mm. I was kind of... Before Saul Braden was in the lead, and I was like, "Oh, what's all this about?" I, at first, I was like, "Is this right?" Mm. And then, uh, but then you heard Bloom before he was catching. I was like, "Oh, that ain't gonna happen." Um, so yeah, so I kind of watched two hours of the run. First thing I want to point out is on the female side of it, you had twenty-two starters, twenty-two finishes. Wow, that is. I reckon unheard of. I would love to, Torsten can do some stats on this. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a race where you've had 100% completion in, in terms of the pros. Are we so, disappointed in the number of starters? Oh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of sickness, injury, and just 22, time of season. Uh, yeah, I totally agree, and I'm making excuses for them, but yes, 22 you is You think you could have pulled off, because it was meant to be 50-50 this year, wasn't it? Yeah, but then on the, the boys' side, um, we only had 27 finishes. So, and we looked so like we had about 37 starters. But we had two, four, six, eight, ten, I think 11 or, 11 or 12 DNFs. So yeah, females, so. you are the stronger sex. Awesome <laughs> okay, performance. Uh, so that's the first point. And I do want to start with women's because uh, as cool as the race as the guys was, uh, it is amazing to yeah. see Danielle Reef go back and, and she crush was stoked, it. wasn't she? Like just absolutely annihilate everybody on the bike. So I think that was, uh, that was awesome to see. Uh, it, you know, of course, there's plenty of people doubting her, and it wasn't unfounded because no, she was she going like rubbish. <laughs> yeah, like when was the last time she put together a great performance? Yeah, it was it was a long time ago, and so I think everyone was right to not necessarily doubt her, but just saying, look, when you're not at your best, you're going to get beaten. And I think you know most people would say when she's at her best, she's still going to be at least very competitive. And on this occasion, she showed that uh, on the bike, she's pretty much untouchable, and she's as good as everybody else on the on the swim and the run. Uh, so Danielle Reef went a fifty four fifty 
four, uh, 54 41 for the to be fourth out of the swim, which is pretty bloody good for her. Uh, 4.37.46 on the bike, and the next fastest split was. Uh, seven minutes slower than that and most of the others were more like 15 minutes slower than that. They're all sort of riding around that 450 mark. So that was insane to put that much time. Yes, there was definitely some athletes missing, we know that, but a lot of these athletes are still very high quality. So that was impressive. So just just going back to her, so basically she got second in Dubai in early March, Mm -hmm. 11th last year at the World Championships, uh, on those 70.3 World Championships. She did win Switzerland last year. She got 17th in the Collins Cup. I'm not sure how they ranked that, but she must have the 17th she best time. Shocker. But she was in good form up to that. Like, admittedly, so really, other than Kona in 2019, where she had a bad day, she's won everything else. Mm. So but she had a bad Collins Cup. Mm. She won, she won, and a bad Kona, and an average 70.3. So I, I get it. Daniela, Daniela, if we look back a couple of years, won everything. So... I get yeah. So that was impressive. And then she ran a 2.39.35 yeah. on a very difficult course. Um, and that was the third fastest run split of the day. Uh, not under any pressure. When she finished, she was really pumped and you could see the adrenaline was rushing. But she looked like she could have kept going as opposed to all the guys that came across the line and a lot of the other females. They were like just about falling off. Uh, I, I really struggle a bit with the, the, the ramp at the finish of an Ironman. Yeah. It, it's just, it's a health and safety hazard as much as anything because there was a few athletes that very nearly fell off the side of that. Uh, so I, I get it, you know, you want to have people raised up so you can see them, but it's a bit of a hazard. I've got a question for you. So Daniela rode two, 4.37. The guys were running, riding about, you know, about 4.15, So she was 20 minutes slower than the fastest guys. Um, or, or the average guys probably, uh, relative to most, you know, world championships, is that how close the females get? Uh, I'm not sure. Or was it the other girls weren't so good on the bike? Because when you look at the other girls, Kate Matthews was about seven minutes behind Daniela, but then the rest of them were kind of in that closer to 50 mark, hmm. so they were more kind of like 25, 30 minutes behind the boys, or maybe 30 over 30 minutes behind the boys. Is that like, Was Daniela extra special? Or was it also that the other females didn't ride as strong? Um, well, I think we've seen her do this in Kona. So yeah. I don't know the stats exactly to that, but we've seen her do a pretty similar sort of ride in Kona where she lets the others sort of dangle there for a while. And I didn't see any of the women's race in terms of the bike and the coverage of them when I was watching was, I wouldn't say it was non-existent, but they were focusing on the on the guys until um, they'd finished on the, the run. Uh but no, we've seen her do similar sort of performances in Kona to this and have big leads coming off the bike. Uh, obviously in the past she's had sort of Lucy Charles maybe up the road. Um, but yeah, just an amazingly impressive race. And, and it's still a great run. Like Anne Hag, who's a beast, ran a 2.55. So she's only four minutes slower, or three and a half minutes slower than Anne. Yeah, Anne Hag was gassing it on the first lap and then she exploded. Oh, did uh, you? Well... Wouldn't, you don't explode when you run a 2.55, but she was closing in uh, on all the athletes a lot quicker on the second half, and then it kind of stagnated. So uh, I, I suspect she probably ran four minutes faster in the first half and then about the same in the second half. Um, but the other one I'm going to give big ups to is Kat Matthews. I think we everyone expected her to do well, but you've got to remember, she has not been in the game very long at all. And for her to get second there, uh, and basically, you know, she, of course she got outridden by Daniela Reef by seven minutes, 
but she ran the same time more or less and swam the same time and she's only been racing pro since 2019 so you know she's so what's her history uh, we did interview her a while ago. She yeah. was in the army, wasn't she? Um, I'm pretty sure she was a physio in the army. So, you know, she was just a bit of a jack of all trades. Um, so that's bloody impressive to do that. And, you know, she had a good gap. And she's 31. You know, like, so it's not that she's a spring chicken who's come into the sport. Like, mm. you don't see that that often. You don't see, you know, it's kind of like a Chris McDonald kind of character. You know, they come in, they can have a really good pro career, but to get sick in the world championships. Mm. Oh, that was impressive. So, you know, that bodes um, well to see a good performance from, from her in the, the sub-8 challenge. You know, um, realistically, don't think she's quite that, that level. You know, I think the person who does that is going to have to have an exceptional day, but amazing performance by her. Um, so what uh, She said she bonked five times on the bike ride. Oh, really? <laughs> I saw a post-race interview with her, uh, and she just, just had a bit of a struggle, and she was happy to battle through and and get third and she was riding solo so she just um yeah just suffered on the bike and didn't probably run quite as well as what she would have uh so even if you know even if she was at her absolute best so she's you can't see her beating Daniela Reef you know she could be potentially you know three or four minutes quicker on the run um and three or four minutes quicker on the bike she's still going to be you know at least five minutes behind so good race by her but not amazing um in the females race I I was totally stoked that Laura Sadell got a top 10 um who would be disappointed? Like Heather Jackson getting eleven, she'd probably be disappointed in that. Yeah, and Lisa Norden put her in a, herself in a position to sh- should have got third. You know, she'd put in a, just a steady run, she would have got third. So she still hasn't. Cro- and I talked about that a few weeks ago. She hasn't quite cracked the Ironman, mm. but she put herself right in the game. She was running in third. She was looking quite good, but she must have faded pretty badly in the second half to only run a three eighteen and finish in sixth place. Bit of a breakthrough race by Ruth Astle. Um, so she was a previous Ironman age group world champion the last time we had it over in Kona. Uh, and that's a bit of a breakthrough for her to go, you know, sixth, fifth place. Sky Monch had a pretty good race in, in fourth place. Um, then, yeah, Fanel Langridge, eighth. Gritz Loralde um, had the second fastest run with a 2.58 to finish ninth. And in tenth place, you had Maya Sage Nelson. Um, <clears throat> That now, what I would say, hold on a sec. Uh, so, like Angela Neath, would she have been disappointed with her performance? Uh, she hasn't done anything for a few years okay. um, now. How about Rachel, Rachel McBride? <laughs> Rachel, Rachel McBride, yeah. Um, in terms of the Kona qualifying, uh, it rolls down a long way on the female side um, because, you know, quite a few of the athletes have already qualified. So, the eighth person to qualify was Kelly Finnlow, and She's she. Got 15th. 15th and she uh, was around about one hour behind uh, Danielle Reef and still managed to qualify so good good on her and was it it paid 15 deep as well didn't it that's what we got told of, uh, the week week or two ago yeah yeah so so she would have made some money and get a qualification spot so it's a win-win for her yeah Mm. Um, in terms of the boys race um, okay let's talk about it so the boys race uh, so Daniela very much dominated the females race. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boys race was a different game. So what happened? Uh, well, again, I only watched from an hour to an, roughly an hour to go on the bike. And yeah, look, the big th- I, I did watch the end of the swim coming out of the swim. And I saw Braden Curry was like, yeah, uh, he was like in third place. Or I thought, holy shit, that is amazing. This is a guy who has not got a swimming background. Um, he is, co- you know, a multi-sporter. 
Taught that is amazing. You, you don't see that. Oh, you never see a guy who's, well, it's pretty rare. It's very rare. You see a guy who wasn't a swimmer hmm. come in and get out the league pack kind of guy. Yeah. You, know, you might be able to get yourself into a mid-pack. Yeah. Uh, but to be with guys like Daniel Beckengard, Sam Laidlow and people like that, they were competitive swimmers in their time. So that was like, I was like, holy crap balls. That's what about impressive. Blumenfeld? Is he traditionally a bad swimmer? Who's that? Blumenfeld, because he only did 49. Uh it was a bit, he was a little bit off where he probably should have been. Because surely he should be front pack. Uh, just. You know, on a good day, yes, but probably normally just off the back of the front pack. Okay. Um, so he's it's a bit of an Achilles heel at ITU level, or world triathlon level. Yep. So the swim this time made a big difference. And you're thinking, oh, they're coming out of the swim. It's probably not that dissimilar to Kona. You know, the gaps, there's a few gaps there, but it's probably going to come all together on the bike. Yep. And so, I, you know, as I said, I watched the coming out of the swim and then fast forward to you know, an hour to go on the bike, and the guys that came out of the swim have held the lead, and I'm like, what the hell? How? This does not happen, like at Kona and most other races, especially when you've got people like, you know, Sam Long, um, Cameron Wirth, um, Sanders, riding together, um, well, Sanders' race was a little bit different, but they weren't taking any time out of them, it was You've never seen anything like it. Apparently, they were booking it on the bike, that second group, and they still couldn't take any time really? out of the front guys. And, and they, as you say, they aren't the rock star riders, are they? Not at all. And, no. and you heard Braden Curry talk afterwards, and he just said the pace was even, there wasn't any surging. You know, it was like going out and riding a group ride, people sharing the load at the front, and you didn't have that surging. And that's the difference. You know, the guys behind are better cyclists. And when you look at the power numbers, I'm sure they probably have going to have higher power numbers, but the front group just kept it smooth. And it was just amazing to see them hold that gap all the way through. Um, very impressive. You also got to say, Lionel Sanders is, yeah, some people don't like him, but he talks so well and he had oh, the smartest like race out there. Yeah. He let the guys go and just thought, I've got to do my own thing today. And he came up trumps. Um, because and how he, co- like, I was gutted because obviously I want Braden Kiwi to do better. Because. Um, Bloomingfield was just a class above. Yes, you know. only just above. I mean, yes, he was above. Yeah, but once but he got the lead, he wouldn't have pushed. Mm. Um, you know, like, he still ran a 238. Mm. Mm. Uh, but what was cool for us from a Kiwi perspective, yeah, a lot of you guys will have watched the race, but for us to have first and second at the start of the run uh, for a good period was pretty amazing. Never, ever, ever have we had that. We've, I, I'm pretty sure we would have never had a male leading Kona. I don't think Brownie ever got to a point where he's led Kona. No, he was always Of course, chasing. we've had Aaron Baker um, yep. winning it before, but almost positive we've never had. So to have two Kiwis at the so front So what were you race, thinking at this stage? Did you think Braden could do it? Uh, no, not really. Um, but I thought Kyle Smith looked like he was working pretty hard. I thought this ain't going to last. Yep. And, and when you, talk, you hear Braden Curry saying you know, how quickly... He went out himself, and you're thinking Kyle Smith must have been absolutely <laughs> smashing it because he got a pretty big lead pretty quickly. And then uh, enjoy the moment, eh? Oh, you know, because like, Kyle's quite young, isn't he? Yeah, no, you'll tell the kids about that one. I was leading the world championships in front of. He's only 24. Yeah, you know, like come on, what a cool experience. So that was pretty cool. I um, mean, when Braden got to the front, yeah. Again, most of you guys. Because it was in front for a while. Yeah, you guys will have seen how it unfolded. The gap was staying the same, and that's what it was like. Can he win it? I was like, no. But then through halfway, like Blumenfeld wasn't taking any time out of him. I thought maybe he can. And Braden's a good runner. Yeah, but then it started to shoot out, and you go, mm, don't think this is going to last. At the end of the day, Braden faded because you'd say he he could run a two forty two in, in in this race. Yeah, like, on his day. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he ran a two forty seven. So, um. And again, everyone would have seen it. Blumenfield, 
kind of gets him about 16k to go mm. uh, and just puts a gap on him and he can't keep up. And then there's this kind of other race starts to happen because Buddy Sanders being the legend that he is, yeah. oh my God, he's a fighter. You yeah. know, love him or hate him. Yeah. The guy's a fighter, man. He is tough as nails. Yeah. And... You kind of you kind of think is he going to catch him? And then they had Matt Leoto, didn't they, mm. on the hill? Mm. And Braden looked like he was dying up. There's no hope. Yeah. But then about a few minutes later, it's, oh no, he's looking all right. And you think, oh no, he's got it. And everyone's going, no, no, he's going to run it. He's it. Unfortunately, Sanders isn't going to space. Yeah. And then they show this clip, and Sanders is just behind him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe Braden's got a sprint. And It'd be great to see their Strava profiles and see what uh, what splits they were running at that stage of the race. You know, it's a bit hard because it was downhill and, and all over the place. But yes, it was uh, very disappointing from a Kiwi perspective. What was cool about, you could, like Sanders, as you said, ran a perfect perfect strategy. Mm. It may be a perfect race for him, really. Mm. Um, you could see how emotional he was coming up that finishing mm. shoot. You know, he was, he was, you know, fighting back the tears. And... Pretty cool, mate. You've got to give the guys big ups. Like that was, that was that that was just true character. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. And yeah, he said so many struggles with Iron Man. It was just it was great to see him put out an awesome performance. He has had a second in Kona, so let's not take that away from him. But he's had a lot of Iron Man fails that a lot of people have got stuck into him. But holy shit, you know he's just impressive oh, in terms of his X. his racing. You know. Um, his sprint finishes and as you said never, never sort of giving up so he really is the impressive. definition of never give up isn't he but yeah watching the, it was interesting listening to him um, in the breakfast with Bob sort of post race interview see it look out the window now Bevan it's good I didn't ride up here it's yeah. pissing down with got rain. a perfect rainbow outside the window he <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, you, you, you've heard the talk in the past from him and you've seen the way he races he wants to go out there and, and race Jan Fredino and he wants yeah. to win and so on He's almost admitted defeat going into some of these races, and he's saying, "Look, those Norwegians, are, I had the best race possible." Is it what just, he said, was it? Yeah, they're just a cut above. He said, yeah. "I couldn't have gone any better," and they're just better than me. And he's yeah. kind of accepted that, but he's just going out there looking for his most perfect race, and the result is the, whatever it is. It is, you know, yeah. winnings. Of course, you want to win, but he's just going out there for that perfect performance, and it looks like he, you know, pretty much nailed it at that race. Uh, it really so, was because he was strong at the end. You know, yeah. like there was that was. A really smart rate, you know, because traditionally he would have pushed really hard on the bike. It still mm. ran well because he's a tough bugger, but mm. and you know, um, it could have been another day. Blumenfeld had been a bit sick, and if he was a little bit more sick, it could have been a chance for Lionel Sanders to oh, win was he a bit sick, the was world he? title. Yeah, so it was it was a great race. So in terms of the splits, for those who haven't seen them, Christian Blumenfeld took it out, swam forty nine thirty nine, uh, rode a four eighteen, which was the tenth fastest bike split, and then ran a two thirty eight. Lionel Sanders um, went 52.06, 4.16 for the fourth fastest bike ride and the second fastest run with a 2.42. Uh, and Braden Curry had an amazing swim. He was fourth out of the swim, 47.36. Rode a 4.16s. So he rode the same as Lionel Sanders and then ran a 2.47. Um, other notable finishes there, Chris Leiferman, um, really good finish for him in fourth place, coming through with a good strong run. Um, Florian Angert was one of the guys who was in the front group. He looked like he was suffering on the run but but hung tough and got fifth. Leon Chevalier came through with a pretty good run in sixth. Daniel Beckengard, one of the pre-race favourites and he was in that front group, uh, faded on the run uh, as did Sam Laidlow but still finished seventh and eighth. David McNamee ran through for ninth and Ben Hoffman rounded out the top ten having done that Ironman only two weeks ago and Kyle Smith, uh, he hung in there for eleventh place. 
race. Only ran a 301. He'll be really disappointed with that. But First still, experience. he got a Kona Kona's ticket. Like. So the Kona spots roll all the way down to Sam Long. So Sam Long would be disappointed? Oh, yeah. Shit, yeah. So who, who's, who, 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 okay, so in the top 10, who's over the moon? Who's over the moon um, in the top 10? Uh, pretty much uh, the top six, I'd say, would all be over the moon. Okay. Daniel Beckengard had a, a poor run in... Um, yeah, I th- Dave McNamee had a oh, not even an okay run, but average bike. Yeah. Um, okay, and who'd be disappointed? So Sam Long would be disappointed. Yes, um, Sebastian Keenlay sort of at the end of his tether. But Sam Long, you know, had a great right bike ride to get him himself into position with the other guys, but then ran a 303. Uh, Cameron Worth, and we didn't know really yeah, what true. to expect from him. Yeah. But he has, it sounded like he hasn't really been doing any swim or run training, so not entirely surprising. Um, they'd be disappointed. Uh, yeah, those would be the the main yeah. ones. Patrick Nelson had a yeah, DNF. Max Newman had a DNF. Um, those would be Bart Arnott's had a DNF as well. So those guys would be disappointed. Um, but yeah, it was a bloody good race. And interestingly, but, well, yeah, sorry, just in terms of the Kona qualifying spot, rolled down to Sam Long, um, who had a disappointing race, finished in fifteenth. Said he's actually not going to go to Kona so he was 8.16 so he was uh, 27 minutes behind the winner and still managed to nab a Kona slot in 15th place what I found interesting is that there weren't that many people watching it like because on Facebook live there was about 20,000 people when I was watching it which yeah not a huge amount I think I think I saw it go up to 26,000 yeah so I can't remember what it is on um, when we watched Kona I seem to think it's yeah it's more than that isn't it well I don't think it's that much okay yeah yeah, so I, I, I would have thought there were more. Now maybe timing, but yeah, it was. Yeah, overall, your thoughts? Um, Did you like that it was elsewhere? Oh, hold on, a couple other things. Points with the the boys' race, um, pre-race dropout. So Brownlee and uh, Gustav Eden pulled out. Um, Do you know sure why? Sick in, or injury? Sorry, sick or injury? Uh, both sick. Um, so Eden had been suffering a bit with sickness. Um, earlier in the week that Gustav Eden had had as well, um, and Brownlee, I'm not quite sure, but I, th- I know he was he was sick as well. Um, was Gomez meant to race? Gomez got COVID, and he's sort of battling okay. his way back from that. So I'm just really interested to the- theorise whether having the, all those guys would have made a big difference in the race. So you had big, the big hitters that were out were Brownlee, Jan Fredino, Gomez, and Gustav Eden. Surely it has a big impact. You'd think so, but I'm just in terms of the way the race panned out, um, what impact they would have had. So you're thinking Brownlee, Jan, and Gomez would have all made that front group. They're all amazing swimmers. Would that group have ridden as smoothly as they did with them there? I don't know if Gomez would have kept up or not. Possibly, possibly not. Um, Jan and. Surely wouldn't have hurt the group. Well, if you got some a couple of people surging on the front, and that's what happened in the second group, you know they didn't ride as efficiently, whereas the the group as it existed did ride really smoothly and efficiently. I would imagine that Brownlee Brownlee probably would have gone to the front quite a bit and tried to push it. Yeah. Um, Jan Fredino would probably just sit and bide his time and come through. But do you think Brownlee's learned? I know so. he's always <laughs> been an aggressive racer, but you know. Respecting the Ironman's the lesson they've always got to learn, isn't it? You know, and yeah, I, su- I suspect not. I think he'd just go out there and, and race it and race okay. for the win. Um, and then what impact would Gustav Eden have had? Because he would have likely been with the the second group with Blumenfeld and and all those guys. And he's obviously shown he's very very strong on the bike. But so is 
Worth and and yeah. those guys, and they're really strong, and they couldn't ride up. So I wonder if he'd had much of an impact as well. So really interesting. I'm sure you know two out of those four would have had good races and would have bumped a lot of these athletes down. Who knows whether they would have won or not? Um, Here's the question. Just interesting. And I mentioned this last week. How do you think this race will go down in history? Like ten years from now, how will we look back on St George? Will it still have the credibility of any other Ironman World Championships? Uh, I think so. Um, it was just, it just when you listen to these interviews later on and you listen to the pros racing, the course was epic. It looked epic on the TV screen. If it had been somewhere like, somewhere like Torpo or just another sort of Fleet, Ironman race. Yeah, Florida. Going, yeah, no, not really. But just the scenery made it awesome. The heat sounded like it was awesome. The course profile just meant it just crushed people and spat them out. So it, when I talked to those athletes, it did sound quite Kona like. I, I think the other thing that helps it have the credibility in the future with history is the is the right people won it. Mm. You know, if you'd had some second tier pull off a magic day, mm. you're probably going, oh, St George. You know, um, and not, nothing against second tier. And obviously, if you're at Kona at this level, and you're a top ten. You're not second tier, but you know, realistically, in most Kona's like this year when we go back to Kona, mm. it's probably going to be four guys who you can think of won it. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to say Fredino. <laughs> I've, I've listed the you know, Brownlee, Yarn, Gomez, and Eden. How would they have impacted the race? <laughs> I've yeah. missed off Langer. He oh, pr- yeah. He probably would have done really, really well. So there you go. So he you would know, have run well. So you, you know, so you, that does hurt the credibility of the race a little bit. You got to say you, you do oh, have to say the, it, the field wasn't strong. Yeah, and that's and I, I agree. If we think would it, just because it was in St George, if you had that stacked field, let's just hypothesise yeah. that we did. Yes, it would be a hell of a lot more credible. Um, but because the right people won it. Because hmm. Blumenfield arguably would have won it. Now, who knows, in a hypothetical world. And Reef as well. Hmm. You know, And so I think that's the thing that will give it credibility in history is that the right people won it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, the coverage, you know, it was pretty stock standard, sort of Kona-style coverage. You know, you only had a, a couple of cameras out they there. They do a good job, but don't they? Yeah, it was, it was perfectly adequate. But Especially it, if only 20,000 people watching it. it. Would, yeah, of course it would be lovely to have four cameras out, four, five, six cameras out there and, and a bit more action. Um, but it was it was fine. I was happy. I was I was, I was was pretty glued to it. And just the venue looked uh, absolutely spectacular. I've been to, been to Utah and been to Zion and things like that, and it is spectacular. So good on them for putting on a, a really good event. Yeah, and, and funny because we have two championships this year, but it's nice to have a a proper ch- and, and, and it has been good to do the experiment of seeing a championship outside of Kona mm. you know pity we didn't get the stellar fields we would have liked mm. but still pretty cool okay uh, we had another 70.3 happen we did uh, Mallorca and we've got um, Nicholas Spurig trying to sort of race herself into shape but she got beaten by Emma Pallant Brown but she's probably heading slightly more in the right direction to get a good swim and a good bike but only a 121 on the run compared to Emma Pallant Rounds 117. And then on the boys' side, you had William Manison take it out from Clement Mion. Not much racing over the next couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, that was that. Okay, we also had the Super League Arena Games final was happening in Singapore over the weekend. It was funny timing, wasn't it? Because you had that happening and the World Championships happening at the same time. Yeah, it would have taken a bit, uh, bit away from, from 
eyeballs I think so the way they did this one was slightly different they had an outdoor swim and then you had to run along sort of a boardwalk to get to your bike and then you obviously did your bike on Zwift and then you, you run on Zwift it was pissing down with the rain oh, when they it? did it which made it a little bit uh, I was worried someone was going to fall over I have not watched the females race I, I sort of know the results but oh, I know who wins it um, but so I did watch the boys race because I knew that Hayden Wilde was watching. I had my Kiwi hat on thinking yep. this is going to be cool and he crushed it. Uh, I'd encourage you guys to go and watch it. It's inter- interesting. Bevan asked me before we started recording what was it like and the downfall of this this arena game series has been the, the standard of the, the fields. I think with this non, I like this non-drafting format on the bike and it would be, I think it would be really, really interesting if we had the eight best guys in the world, I think, would see some amazing races. But was it close racing, or was it very much like a couple of people in it? It was a couple. It was three people in it, uh, yeah. and then that was it. And the rest were all uh, straggling away behind. So it didn't make it a, an amazing race. But as I said, if you had eight guys going head to head, I think this has got a, a real future. But when the fields are not so strong, yeah, there's not. You know, they pull away pretty quick, and it's a two or three horse race. Well, as much as I said non-drafting. <laughs> Maybe you do need drafting yeah, if the yeah. field if the yeah. field isn't as strong. Yeah, you yeah. know that would have made it slightly more interesting. Yeah. So that was good. Uh, so that's the end of the Super League uh, arena yeah, games. And Hayden, so how does it work? Because I know he didn't win the series because he didn't race them all. Yeah. So is he the world champion? No, no. Yeah, it was a, it was a series championship. So Yi and Potter took out the series because okay. they won one of the other events uh, and did well in this one. Yep. So Alex Yi, he had an improved showing here. Um, the difference between him and Hayden Wild was Hayden seemed to have that better stamina to be able to go through the three events really well. Um, Ye sort of in this round and previous rounds has fallen apart a bit on legs two and three. Um, but I would say Hayden Wild looked pretty susceptible on the swim and Alex Ye looks like he's improved his swim. Uh, so that's going to be interesting because this weekend we the World Triathlon Series kicks off with Yokohama. Uh, what's going to be interesting for me here is looking on the boys' side, Vincent Louis, you know, he didn't get a medal at the Olympics, um, but he's one of the most dominant athletes. To see how he's going to stack up against uh, Ye and Wild, who are, you know, probably the two best runners in the sport at the moment, um, and Vin- whether Vincent Louis can uh, get away on the bike and stay away, or whether he, when he goes up against these guys, whether he can, uh, can still foot it with them. And then, going to be cool to see Flora Duffy back racing, haven't don't think we've seen her race since the Olympics. Could be wrong there. Um, maybe she has. Not sure. But anyway, going to be good to see her back and taking on Team GB. No Jess Lemont, but the rest still, several of them are there. Uh, also going to be really interesting to see how Beth Potter and Cassandra Bogrand go because they are coming off really good Super League performances. Uh, yes, so yes, Super League, like if you raced Super League last week, like I watched a little bit of those Super League, like, like literally just two minutes of it. They're beating themselves up. Yeah, but those... Does that, does that hurt for your car? Oh, those guys are used to racing back-to-back and... But even at that... Because it's really so short, it is next level speed. Mm. No, I think it, it's, it's good preparation, okay. especially the guys, you know, when you haven't been racing. You know, this is the first race of the season for, for a lot of people, so I think it'll, it'll help. Um, having never run on one of those treadmills, I know they're going really, really high intensity... But I imagine maybe it probably doesn't beat your legs up quite as bad yeah, um, in terms of the impact. Because your foot kind of reach, hits higher. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, those guys are used to it. Yeah, it's a hard, hard, hard training session. They'd probably be doing something semi-similar, you'd think, a week out anyway. Okay, this week's discussion is, basically, we want to know who would be your five to ten picks at Kona 
no, not Conan, St. George last weekend. I'm going to get a huge amount of answers for this. And let's, did anyone do any well? Good, John. Uh, we had a few. I'm just going to get the results in front of Greg me. Greg Howell's got uh, Lionel, although I hope that this could be his race. Well, he did well, but uh, he got second. Yep. George Samuel's got Worth, Long and Nielsen. Well, they didn't do well. Uh, no, we're not, we're not talking about who's done well. We were talking who's... 5th to 10th. 5th to 10th. But Worth, Long well. and... They didn't do 5th to 10th, did they? No, they didn't quite do no. that. Uh, Astor, Monch, and can't think of anyone else. Sanders and... Ruth Astor did. And Sky Monch, she was just inside the top. Uh, just inside the top. I'll go down to the bottom and I'll look. Uh, Travis George said Sanders, Curry, and Von Berg. Um, Von Berg wasn't racing, but Curry he he superseded your expectations as did Lionel Sanders. Um, Braden Curry. I mean, Richard Swanee knows he's got Braden Curry. Hopefully, I'm wrong, and you were. You were wrong. Uh, Adam Coates says uh, Metzler, Keenlay, and Hoffman. Hoffman was tenth, so you got one out of three there. Keenlay was just outside the top ten, and Justin Metzler didn't look like he did very well. So. Um, Lee yeah. Spore's got uh, Beckengard, Potts, and Worth. And I think all three of them missed out, didn't they? Back- Beckengard was. Okay, he and was then he's got Estel, Langridge, and Monch. Uh, Ruth Estel was... Yeah, he did. who was that? They did pretty well. They're probably best, best of the lot, I think. Richard Slater for the men's got uh, uh, Leon Chevalier. He 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 did, he was uh, fifth through tenth. Carl Smith. Yeah, and Lionel Sanders, so no. Yeah. See, so Carl Smith was 11th, so just missing out there. Yeah, so I think uh, Lee, Lee Spore so far... You are the winner. ...has done reasonably well. He winner, winner. Ruth Astle and Fenella Langridge. So you're pretty good. Okay, having seen how epic the World Championships was at St. George, do you think the World Championships alternating between Kona and somewhere else would work as long as the somewhere else was an epic course? Mm. We've, we've had this discussion, haven't we? You and I had a big argument well, about this it. Is a, this is a before and after. Now we've oh, actually now seen, we've, oh, now seen we know. It. Yeah. I think the only thing is, it's. I, I just, I'm gutted that everyone wasn't there. Hmm. You know, like imagine all those names you do. What was it? Brownlee, Fredino, hmm. Eden, Langer, hmm. and. Lucy Charles on the female Gomez. side. Gomez. And, uh, and so we talked about the, fem- the, the male side, but Lucy Charles would have had a big impact on the race, and as would have Laura Phillips. So, yeah, boys and girls' side is a bit disappointing. Okay, so do you, do you like the idea of it alternating? Maybe not older. Are you saying year by year? Because I see kind of once every five years. No, I'm saying year by year. Okay. One year Kona, one year somewhere else. Okay. Do you like the idea of alternating the world championships? If so, why? Okay, you got a quiz question. How many, I was just thinking this, how many Ironmans has Brownlee done? So he didn't race at the weekend. I was just thinking, this will be a little quiz question. How many Ironmans has Brownlee done? I think I know the answer. Okay, I'm going to think I'm going to get it as well. Well, I don't think I'm going to get I'm going to get a number. <laughs> okay, we've got some age group interviews, John. You have. The first two we're going to do is uh, Laura Fairhurst. She finished 10th in her age group. Oh, well She's from the UK. And David Mantle, he finished 33rd in the 50 to 54 age group, both from the UK. And then we're going to follow that up uh, with another Brit, uh, Daniel McParland. He's from the UK. Went 9.35 for 7th in his age group. I think it was the... 40-44, um, so it was nice to hear a perspective also from Daniel. He's been to Kona before, so he can compare the, the two and, and what the whole experience oh, nice. was like from a from a just being their point of view, but also from what the race was actually like point of view. Okay, here they are right now. 
Okay guys, um, I put a word out on Facebook to get a few people on because uh, I thought there's going to be so many pro interviews and we may do one or two but it's nice to hear what the age groupers have to say especially on a on a new course that they had in St George um, because the way that pros tackle the course is quite different to age groupers. So um, got Laura Fairhurst on, she's from Total Tri Training uh, over in the UK, raced in the 40 to 44 age group, swam 107, biked a 608 and then ran a 408, so it looks like a pretty balanced uh, day at the office. So uh, welcome along to the show, Laura. Hi, nice to speak to you. Cool. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where, where you're from and um, and what your deal is, what, were you, what your pathway was to, to getting to St George. Yeah, so um, I'm from Cheshire, uh, which is not that far from Manchester, and um, I've been doing triathlon probably since about 2010, uh, took a little break, uh, did a few Ironmans uh, 2013 and 14, took a little break, and then came back to it in 2019, um, so I qualified for Utah at Portugal in October. Nice. So, yeah, so that was uh, my first Ironman since coming back. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so that was uh, that was a good result, and um, it was great to qualify. I came second in my age cap there. Nice. Um, yeah, great course as well. So um, it was nice that I kind of got invited to do the World Champs somewhere that isn't normally uh, hosting the World Champs. So although I've not been to Kona and I would like to go to Kona, I thought I'd take the opportunity to um, come to Utah and race it here, seeing as this is a one-off. What, so. what was the drive to get back into Ironman? Um, I, well, I think COVID uh, kind of got me back training again. And um, I became a coach at Total Tri Training. Yeah. Um, so the drive was really to kind of inspire my athletes and show them what I could do as well. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of and then we, we've got a real community with to within total tri training so you really become a part of the racing scene and everything yeah. so it's uh, it's been a real drive for me to and inspired me really to get back into everything excellent um, so going into it obviously you would have known you know it's going to be probably a cold swim it's going to be a really hilly bike ride uh, and it's going to be a hilly run so for the listeners sort of talk us through your day and you know how you performed and, and how the course actually sort of measured up to it to what you thought it might be like well we kind of uh, looked into uh, the conditions that we were going to be facing on the day and um, so we'd acclimatized quite well uh, so, for instance, I was swimming in Salford Keys in 11 degrees, um, yeah, just before I came out, uh, which was absolutely freezing. And I knew that that was going to be colder than what I'd, I'd actually have to experience when I came over here. Uh, we were quite pleasantly surprised because the temperature had risen quite a lot over um, the weeks leading up to um, the actual uh, date of the Ironman. I think it was kind of 10 degrees, in the se between se 7 and 10 degrees a couple of weeks ago. Um, so we were pleasantly surprised when it was about 14, 15 when we got over here. Uh, we had a couple of swims. We got out uh, over a week ago now. Um, so we landed on the Saturday. Um, so we got a couple of swims in, um, which was great just to kind of get that under our belt and feel confident that we were we knew what temperature it was going to be. Um, and we sort of swam when it was quite windy, so in the choppy conditions as well. So um, 
kind of that 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 gave us a bit of confidence um and then we bike part of the bike course um i've been doing a lot of work at home um my coach chris standage had, had sort of got me to ride out in wales a lot which was similar sort of inclines to what we'd be experiencing over here um and then doing lots of sauna sessions so uh yeah so it's uh it, i kind of felt well prepared coming over here um and i think on the day um it kind of met expectation uh the swim was great because it was really um smooth it, well, there wasn't too much wind this uh, in the morning um which was brilliant and then it kind of went on um to, to the bike and the first part of the bike ride it wasn't too windy uh there was quite a lot of hills but i kind of was expecting that um and it was just riding conservatively really and having um a consistent day out there rather than smashing yourself to pieces in the first 20 miles and then having nothing left because I knew what was coming with Snow Canyon towards the end. Um, so, yeah, so I felt that the, the bike section went, went pretty well, uh, apart so from just, kind of losing... Sorry. Just with regards to the bike, like putting into perspective, yeah. you know, um, the, the hills and stuff, was there a lot of small chain ring stuff where you were, you know, having to work pretty hard just to get up a climb or was it sort of... No, unfortunately not because I've got a shiv and it's a, it's a one-by. Right. no small chain wing at all. It was just literally power up there but um, I've been doing loads of big gear work uh, prior to coming out so because um, I'm, 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 I'm riding quite, kind of quite a big setup. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it was... A, so it was... I knew it was going to be a, a quite a bit of muscle work, but that was fine. I was prepared for that. Um, the climbs, I would have said, I'm, I'm used to riding in the peaks um, over in the UK, which are very, they're shorter climbs, but they're quite a bit steeper. Yeah. Um, so they were kind of long, nice long drags. You could actually sit on the aero bars. Yeah. Um, it was good when it, it got the wind picked up um, slightly in the afternoon. That was that was a real a real bonus. Um, so there were a couple of sharp hills you had to get out of the saddle, but um, not too many. Yeah. Um, but it was just epic. It's just so beautiful out there. Um, so I mean, it was it was just like just an absolutely amazing experience. Really, the whole bike course was just amazing. How was the uh, the drafting out there? I do, again, I didn't see any age group coverage, so I don't know if there was any or there wasn't any. But you know, compared to other events, you know, were you were you pretty much able to do your own ride? You know, within reason when you've got that many people on the course, there's always going to be some. But what what was it like on the bike course? I would have said, uh, sort of, in the early stages, there was there was, I suppose, people couldn't really help it because it was all quite bunched up. Mm. um so we were kind of going out but it was it was it was quite hilly to begin with so when you say drafting people aren't really getting that much of a benefit from it mm. and then like you were kind of flying down one side if you were if you were going faster on the descent so i don't feel there was a massive a massive benefit to, to the drafting but people were quite close together mm. um and it was just and then it, it kind of broke up uh further on there was there was the people were close together but again it was mainly on the hills mm. um when you're descending i was just kind of moving out just to get past people mm. um on the descent so um i suppose it depends <laughs> it depends what sort of descender you are i'm like i just like to go for it so okay. uh try and get the bone uh, you know the benefits when you're going downhill um you're not having to uh power out so much then and onto the run, you know, I don't know if the, the TV for the, the live coverage really probably 
did it justice when we were watching the pros. You know, they made it most of the time look pretty flat, but uh, but obviously the profile did not uh, suggest that. So so talk talk us through the run. Yeah, well, the run definitely, definitely wasn't flat. I can, I can absolutely, there was no flat bits in it whatsoever, pretty much. Um, so you literally climbed out for a couple of miles to begin with, which was really hard, having just left transition. Um, and um, then there was aid stations about every mile, which was quite a nice break up because you could just take each mile at a time, uh, take on your aid as you're going through. Because it was so warm out there, it was it was a case of taking something on each each time. Um, so, and then you then descended, uh, after probably about three miles downhill for a couple of miles, um, then kind of under a few underpasses, it was a little bit, um, a couple of sharp turns, uh, back through another underpass. And then you kind of went out, there was a park area that I suppose wasn't, was relatively flat, but other than that, it was either up or down. Tough. Um, yeah, it was tough. It was a tough day. Uh, but I think it was easy to break up because of the, the hills. I, I kind of saw it as two big hills on the loop. So it was either kind of up or down. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of, but then that's not great. Even the coming down, you know, after your legs are shot on the, uh, on the hills from the, from the ride, uh, was quite, was quite challenging by, by the final lap. But you, you know, you know what Ironmans are like. It's just a case of just taking each point as you go through to it, breaking it down to your feed stations, and uh, just getting through it um, in any way you can, really. And, so. And and how was your you know your time you know so your total time uh, I don't have that in front of me now, but um how how were your times compared to say what you would have done at other other races um say in the uk if you if you compare it to say uk events how did it sort of stack up for you okay well i uh, so i did 11 31 yesterday i've done 11 27 on uh, bolton course in the uk so quite quite similar hmm. um and then i did 11 19 at portugal last year but again, none of the races I ever choose are flat. So yeah. um, I think, and I am, I, I have literally trained so hard. I've been doing 23 hour weeks. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really training hard for this. Uh, I'm the fittest I've ever been. So I feel that if I was to compare it, to, if, if I went to go and do, say, Bolton or uh, Portugal now, that I would go faster than what I've done previously. Nice. So I think it was a challenging course. And, and um, what about how you're feeling today? You know, on a on a hilly run course compared to a flat <laughs> run course, you know, you're probably you going to recover. It's not pretty. <laughs> it's not pretty at all. Honestly, I can go and see you. I've literally had to be like carried down steps and all sorts. <laughs> no, nice. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that different to other races? You know, um, just because of the hills and stuff, or did you dig a bit deeper? I think the thing is, is I do, as I say, I tend to go for hilly courses. I remember doing Aberfeldy, uh, British Champs last year, and I was only a 70.3, and I literally found it really difficult to walk after that. Uh, this is probably worse. I always end up with like blisters as well, so I think that, that doesn't help. Uh, I'm sort of freeing up slightly as, we, as, as the day's gone on, uh, but it's just a case of stretching out, I think, for the next couple of days and not really doing that much, having a couple of days recovery, and I'm just then going to work towards um, the 70.3 staffs. I'm on 70.3 staffs, yeah, so that's the next, uh, that's the next event in a, uh, about four weeks. 
Okay, and so overall in terms of how you performed, um, are you happy with that? And what was the overall sort of World Championships experience compared to, say, going to a, you know, a regular Ironman? I would say it was probably one of the best days of my life. Oh, great. <laughs> so, yeah, it was absolutely epic. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were times when I was on the course going, right, I'm halfway through. I'm only, you know, I've only got halfway to go. And, oh, I've only got another three miles and you're hoping for it to be finished. But then you finish and you go, right, when am I doing the next one? And I can't wait. And I think, would I do this one again? And it was just that amazing that I'd like to say even the day after, yes, I probably would. So I would say, like, just the whole experience of being in Utah, to be honest. We've had such a great time and the people have been so great and the support on the course was absolutely amazing. The views were epic. Um, it was great racing with the pros. It was great being in at World Champs. Um, just everything about it has just been absolutely amazing. Yeah, awesome. I would yeah, love to come back. <laughs> Excellent. So, well, I am coming back, actually. I'm doing the World Champs 70.3 in uh, October. So that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, well done. Sounds like you had a great day and, uh, and the race lived up to, to expectations, which is, which is brilliant. So um, nice work. Let's, let's hand over. You've got your teammate there, David. Um, hand over yes. to him and I'll, I'll have a chat to him. That's lovely. I'll put him over to you now. <laughs> Thank you. Speak Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye, John. Hey, John. Right. Hi, David. So we've got David Mantle here. He raced at the weekend in the 50 to 54 age group. Another total try t- training athlete did 11.06.13, which got him 33rd out of uh, 303 in the 50 to 54 age group. So on paper, it seems like a pretty respectable performance, um, not knowing too much about David. Swam 104, biked a 4.34, and then ran a 4.17. So David, welcome along to the show. Um, how was your day? You know, give give yourself a mark out of ten in terms of your performance compared to what you were hoping. Oh, I, I mean, I went into this race really with no expectation. I was just one of the age groupers that's happy to be here and just soak up the experience. But I think in terms of uh, rating my performance um, from a, from a mental grit perspective, probably ten out of ten. From a sort of a physical performance, probably sort of six out of ten. But I think, um, you know, for me, it was just about grinding that day out and just getting to the finish line. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, what, just tell us a bit about yourself, where, where you're from and, and your sort of pathway to, to getting to here and, and if you have done any other world championship type events. Sure, yeah. I, uh, I'm based in London. Um, I did my first Ironman in 2006 and this was my 11th Ironman. Uh, I've progressively been sort of ticking them off as I've got older. Um, as you've said, I'm part of Total Tri Training. Uh, and I've been with that club for the last three years now, and it's been pretty instrumental in, in improving my performance. Um, so I've done a couple of other half 70.3 world events. One was in Canada, um, and the last one was in Nice in 2019. Um, but this was my first full world championship um, event. So how did it compare to those events? You know, they're big 70.3 races and, you know, different to Ironman obviously has always been in Kona in the past, but 70.3s have moved around and seem to be building some momentum. So how did how did this event, say, compare to a 70.3 um, World Champs? Um, I mean, obviously the biggest difference is, is the distance, but I think the, the Ironman circus 
is very similar. I mean, they all seem to put on a big show. Uh, and when we came to St. George a week before the, the race, and it's, it's, it's a bit of a sleepy town. It was quite quiet. Um, but, you know, three, four days out before the race, you can, you can sense it starts to build. And that's the same with all the other sort of in Nice and in, in uh, Montreblanc. Um, it starts to build and it gets quite exciting and it's almost tangible. You can feel the atmosphere uh, and it gets super exciting. So, yeah, they're, they're big events. Um, they're quite different from some of the other sort of uh, Ironmans I've done, sort of New York or Austria, UK. Um, I mean, they're all great and exciting. But there's nothing quite like a, a world championship stage. E- even at my level, my sort of mediocre age group level, uh, it's always exciting. And did you? We, we saw on the live coverage that um, the pros were sometimes passing across some age groupers. When you guys were out there racing, did you get a chance to see any of the pros in action? Um, only on the run course. So when I when I was actually as soon as I came out of T two, as soon as I turned the first bend, sort of the, the first fifty meters, I saw Christian Blumenfeld coming down the finish chute. <laughs> so I literally, I, I literally just stopped. I just stopped and watched because I thought I'm never <laughs> going to see this live ever. I don't care about my race so much. I, I stopped, and the atmosphere was amazing, and the crowd were going crazy. Um, and then I carried on with my run, and then you see the other pros coming the other way. I think I saw Sebi, I saw Ben Hoffman, um, Sam Long. Um, so yeah, that's pretty exciting seeing seeing the pros on the same course. You feel as though <laughs> you feel as though you probably look a little bit like them until you see the post race photos, and then you realise, nah, I'm nowhere near. <laughs> yeah. And, and how did you find the, the course overall? You know, um, again, Laura gave us a bit of a rundown of, of what it was like. Um, but how did you sort of find it? You know, in terms of tackling the hills on both the the bike and the run, and, and was it as hard as you expected, and, and as hard as it had been built up to, or maybe a little bit easier? Yeah, it was definitely hard, no question. I think um, I say we came out a week before and we wrecked all the course, uh, some of it on our bikes and some of it in the car. Um, so things, for example, in Snow Canyon, um, I'm so glad we actually rode that because um, it was just a case you just had to pace that climb because uh, the last kind of two thirds of that climb picked up, and so I think you could burn your matches way too quickly. Um, so it was, it was, yeah, it was a definitely a tough course, but it's it's one where you need to be aware of what your power numbers and heart rate should be, and you need to stick to your own plan. There's plenty of other riders going past you, and if you if you go with them, then obviously you're you're not sticking to what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you come into the run, I mean, I, I did come off my bike and sat down and thought, oh wow, how? That's like someone's just walked into our house. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's bizarre. Uh, yeah, I came to T2 and then sat down inside the inside the T2 tent. And went, oh my word, how am I going to run a marathon? But you know, you just do. You, you start running. But the hills on, on that on that run are tough. Um, the, the first sort of mile out of T2 is is, is steep, um, especially when you've got tired legs. Oh, God, and, that's got to be, be real rough going straight oh, up a hill. <laughs> whoever designed that course, you know, I, I would like to shake their hand, I think. You know, they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and it was, as Laura said, it's just a, you don't think about the marathon distance. You just think about what you've got to do so it's basically four hills for the day uh, and just tick them off as you go along yeah so um yeah and was there much carnage out there you know in hawaii it is just carnage on the run there's you know 
a very high proportion of the people are, are walking. Um, obviously, this World Champs, you know, you had people who had qualified. Um, you had some AWA athletes, and I think they had some mm-hmm. some others as well. Was it was it carnage on the run more so than what you see elsewhere, or was it pretty regular at what you've seen at other Ironman events? Yeah, I saw a lot of people walking, and I don't know if that was because of the um, the difficulty of the course, or whether that was uh, because it's a, it's a mix of, of of all sorts of people doing first time Ironman. I'm not sure, but um, mm-hmm. there, there certainly were some some faster athletes that ran past me, and then I, I caught them in the later stages of the race where they were walking. Yeah, um, I did speak to someone yes uh, today. Sorry. Um, and apparently the DNF rate was 21%, which I think is wow, pretty high. Wow, that's pretty if high. That's, yeah, if, that, if that's a true figure, I, th- I think it might be. Um, yeah. It's crazy high, yeah. 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 Um, now, I know I don't think you've done Kona before. You know, if you had a, had a choice between choosing between the two, you know, I, I guess maybe put yourself in a hypothetical situation that you'd done Kona maybe a, a couple of times, would you think, oh, I want to keep going back to Kona, or do you think... It, do you like this idea of moving around if the course is as epic and, and well designed as, as what you see in St George? Yeah, I think I think if I if I tick the Kona box, I'd be quite happy to travel different locations. I mean, it's fantastic being able to experience um, Utah. It's it's culturally it's very very different from anything I know, um, and I like that. I like that. I like the sense. You know, we obviously we do these Ironman races, but we do, we do to travel and experience other stuff too. So, Mm. um, I'd be quite happy if it moved around. I I, I don't know, you know, whether they did two Kona races and then one outside Kona and then two, I I really don't know how they, how they, Mm. they do that, but it's, um, yeah, I'd be keen. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Um, any, any sort of shout outs you guys want to do? I know Laura's not there now, but, um, obviously you mentioned your total try team. Um, any, anything else, anybody who's sort of helped you guys to, to get where you are? Oh, sure. Yeah. Phil Murphy from total try training. He's the head coach. Yeah. Uh, he's been by my side, mentoring me, uh, coaching me for the last three years. And, uh, we've made, it's definitely a team effort and, uh, We've made some some good inroads into results and stuff, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much changed my life from an athletic point of view. So that's been fabulous. Mm. Laura, Laura's got something. Sh- shout it out, Laura. Oh, she says, "Oh, I'll put it back on. I'll put it back on." Yeah, yeah, no worries. Thanks, thanks so much for your time there, David. Awesome work on your race. Oh, uh, no worries, mate. Thank you, thank you, Laura. You got to get your thank yous in there as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, Total Endurance uh, Nutrition, um, Kelsey Johnson's been helping me out with my nutrition plan. And I I know we normally say that that nutrition sort of is responsible for 70% of uh, of, of the race. I'd say on this particular race, it was more like 90% with hydration as well. Uh, So just want to just big up um, uh, 10 Total Endurance Nutrition and Kelsey uh, and Sam Shepard. And and, um, uh, yeah, because they're they're great so uh and also friends and family who, who have been there supporting us and listening to our uh boring iron man chat for the last six months going on and on about training so, yeah, oh, no, yeah. You, you guys sound like you've had a great time it looked awesome on the um on the screen to be watching it even though we didn't get to see really well i didn't see any of the age group racing but you guys sound like it was a great time so congratulations and um good luck with the upcoming races when you get back home and and for you laura with the 70.3 worlds and um hopefully we see you over in Kona at some stage oh thank you that would be great john absolutely well nice to chat to you 
Righto team, um, you've heard from a couple of age groupers so far and we've got uh, a couple more to come. Uh, the next guest is Daniel McParland. He smoked it over there at St George at the weekend, went 9.35.27, um, which got him 7th place in the 40 to 44 age group. Um, and he swam 103, dipped under the 5 hour barrier by 3 seconds with a 4.59.57 and then ran a 3.24.47 so looked pretty good on paper um, but I have noticed as well that Daniel's got a sub 9 hour performance so he's a pretty mean athlete, welcome along to the show well, Thanks John, thanks for having me on the show Oh no, look, um, how's, really how's, how's the body doing today, you know, um, we're recording this, you know roughly 24 hours after finishing. How's the body compare today to, to contrast to other sort of Ironman races you've done? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, in a, it's like, kind of like back to being the first one, the, like the first Ironman. It's, um, it was a pretty tough day yesterday. It was pretty brutal course conditions and just everything at once. And yeah, yes, yeah, recovery is a bit, I'm a bit more sore. But, you know, all, all good. The sun's shining here in Utah. It's a beautiful place. And, you know, I was just glad to get it done. So give us a bit of your background. As, as I said, I, I just did a quick look up for you. Um, and I saw you went and did Ironman Talonin in Estonia in 2021, where you went uh, 8.56. So sub nine hours is awesome. Tell us a bit about your, your sort of background um, and how long you've been in the sport and where you're from, etc. Well, I'm from the northwest of UK. Uh, Darwin and my background well I, I played a lot of sport as a, as a youngster but more sort of sprinting and football athletic sprinting and more of a kind of power athlete and then I found triathlon at uni uh, and that was 19 years ago so I've been doing it a long time and I first watched I first got into it in 2003 yeah 2003 and I watched the 2004 Ironman that Norman Stadler won, and I was just amazed by it. And you know those iconic images of of him running alone on the Queen K, just just kind of stuck with me. And and I thought, you know, I've got to got to have a go at that one day. And um, yeah, just kind of been involved in triathlon ever since. And has it been a, a steady progression upwards? You know, as I said, sub nine. That's you know, you're at the the front end of the the race there. You got your, I think you got second in your age group, um, in the pretty competitive forty to forty four. So, what's the progression been like? Were you always reasonably good, or have you really seen it sort of ramp up recently? Or what's it been like? Fairly fairly steady over the over the years. You know, I started. I did about seven years of Olympic distance, and then did my first Ironman in twenty ten. That was like 11 and a half and then I sorted it out a bit more on my second one I did nine and a half and then I kind of did a lot of like nine and a half and a bit faster and then yeah I had a good progression I just kind of took it a bit more seriously a few years ago I wanted to get back to Kona and you know with aerodynamics and the bike and everything and just took it a bit more seriously trained a lot harder lost a bit of weight and yeah had a really good day in Estonia but also I think in Estonia the conditions really played to my favor it was cold windy <laughs> wet English weather exactly <laughs> and you know if you if you see me well when I've been to Kona they've never seen skin as as, as lily white as mine <laughs> 
so Estonia was very much my kind of day. Good. <laughs> so that that was just one of those days where everything just fall, falls comes together, and yeah, I had a, a really good race there. And so, what was the motivation to go to St George? You know, we'll talk about Kona in a moment. Um, yeah, I I don't know whether you would have had the option to go when you qualified in Estonia, but but why, why St George over potentially waiting it out or trying to qualify for Kona again? Uh, well, I suppose I've been to Kona twice, and I love it. You know, I'm a big Uber fan of the sport, and yeah, definitely going to go again. Uh, but yeah, so I, I did have the option. Uh, I was going to do Kona last October, then they changed it to February, so I thought, yeah, I'll go in February, that's cool. And then they get, when they gave us the choice, I thought, Utah, God, it looks amazing. I watched the World Champ, the 70.3 Worlds last year, it just looks awesome. And I thought, yeah, that, that looks good. And I thought maybe being a bit less humid, it might suit me a bit better, so maybe I would get a bit closer to that kind of top five Umaka kind of mm-hmm. level. And I just thought, as soon as we got the emails giving us the option took me about seven seconds and yeah St. George that's that's the one so and and it was the right choice I've loved it it's such an amazing place I've been to Moab and mountain biking and yeah it's just an awesome place and I think Ironman did a really good job of of moving it to to host it to to get a world champs off the ground did um and how, how did your day pan out as I said you know you finished seventh in the age group which seems really awesome but did uh did the day pan out um how you wanted it to and and how did the course sort of work for you compared to you know what you expected it to be like uh i mean yeah it kind of it was a good solid solid day really it wasn't wasn't one of those days where everything just feels good and you're in control and racing but i think the course the mid-30 heat and everything it just made it a bit of a grind mm-hmm. for everyone really but yeah, it was, you know, I did as well as I could have. Um, by the end of the bike, putting Snow Canyon at 100 miles into the bike, mm. that was brutal. I thought, I can't get up this when I was halfway <laughs> up. I'm never going to make the top of this. And you just, you just you just think, oh, God, if I can just get to the top, then I can just roll down 10 yeah. miles. <laughs> uh, so, and then the, the, the run was hilly as well. The run had a lot of elevation. But again, it was really cool because I got onto the marathon just as Sebastian Keenler was doing his second lap. So I got to run with, with him. Oh, nice. He, he, he was obviously running. And like I said, I'm a big Uber fan of the, the sport. So that was really cool. I kind of, you know, I didn't go anywhere near him. I didn't encroach his space or anything because yeah. it's his job and, I, and I'm just here for fun. But. Uh, I kind of ran like five meters behind him for a couple of miles, which I thought, I just don't know. How many other sports do you get to do that? Yeah, that's very cool. And then I I passed Sam Long when he was, when he was um, walking as well. And and I said, yo, yo, yo. And he he gave me a a nice shout back, which I thought was cool. Nice. Excellent. So, yeah, no, I thought it was, it was great. A a good day out. And a bit of, I was a bit gutted to, to miss out on that top five. I'd love that Umaka one day, the bowl. But there's, there's, I think my main problem is the the other age groupers are just faster than me, which is a bit of a problem. <laughs> That's a bit of a problem when you want to get, move up the rankings. Um, g- yeah. g- 
give us a contrast, you know, this compared to Hawaii, you know, maybe not the first time you go to Hawaii because that's like, holy shit, this is, you know, this is what I've seen on TV and it's all a bit, uh, can, can blow you away, but you've been there a couple of times now, so co contrast what this event was like compared to going and doing the Hawaii Ironman. I think the, the in terms of the, the course, Hawaii's easier. No, yeah. You're in, you're in, you're in control a lot more. You know, the, the, there's obviously the big climb to Harvey and the crosswinds, but, you know, I'm pretty big, so they don't really affect me that much. But, yeah, the course here is harder. The run is harder. Hawaii's hot. Well, it's more humid, obviously. But it was mid-30s yesterday, so it didn't really feel that much different. Yeah. In terms of the it's slightly different culture, you know, Hawaii's it's kind of a mix of American and kind of that Polynesian yeah. culture. And it's very compact in Kona, really kind of in your face. You cannot escape. Whereas here's a little bit different from the outside the race perspective. But you know, I, I I'm a big fan of of Kona. I think it's amazing. But St George is is also an amazing place. And and I think what if if St George had forty years of history, it would be mm. the Kona that that Kona is. Mm. Yeah, um, I guess one of those. One of those things I, I think, you know, from the, the people I've spoken to so far and the footage we've seen, it looks like St. George just killed it and it was just a, an awesome event. Um, do you think if they moved Iron Man to other places um, that maybe not quite as iconic as St. George, it, 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 you would have felt the same after the race? You know, let's say maybe they moved the Iron Man World Champs to, to Bolton or... Um, or oh, Klagenfurt or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, Bolton, Bolton would hold the best world championship you've ever you've ever seen. <laughs> it's, it's, I live really near it, so yeah, I think I, I think pre I think a lot of triathletes would be pretty precious are pretty precious about Kona. Yeah, and I probably would have been a few years ago, but now having experienced this. I would be in favour of it rotating. I think it's it could go anywhere, just like the seventy point three does, and it will still be a cool event. Yeah, it's... you know, in Europe, in in America, I think, uh, yeah, Kona is special, but it's. I think personally, it's just because of the races that have happened and yeah. and the the battles between the pros and and that happens wherever you put the world championship. You know what happened? I've not even properly watched it yesterday, and I can't wait to, but. The whole Christian Sanders and Curry and yeah. and Daniel Arif having you know being back. It's those are the things I personally think make. But I'm just one opinion that yeah. make the World Championship. So I think it could go anywhere. Nice. Um, and in terms of your position, you know, you got seventh here with with what sounded like a good solid day. Have you had a good yeah. solid day in Kona? And how's how is you know I guess. My quick, where I'm getting at is, is what was the strength of field like at St George for age groupers from what you could see relative to what it might, how strong it might be in Kona. I, I think at the very front it was just as strong, and and I wondered this before. I thought, you know, how strong is it going to be? I think at the very front it was just as strong. That the same names hmm. who won the age groups were kind of up there in in Kona as well. I think the depth maybe a little less strong hmm. i think most people chose kona mm -hmm. but i think but also i think the people who chose utah 
were people who've been to Kona before, so maybe, are, you know, on, on balance slightly quicker, yeah. possibly. Yeah. But it was it was competitive, there's no doubt about that. And, and I think maybe the course and conditions made the top age groupers really shine. So they're like the, the, the guys who, the fast guys in in the age group, they were amazing. Like yeah. the, the person who won my age group, God, he went eight fourteen. You're like, how is that? <laughs> is he even a human being? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's so, pretty yeah, cool. Incredibly competitive, I thought. Yeah, awesome. Uh, any any um any thank yous or any anything any part parts of teams you're you're amongst or, or anybody that helped you sort of get to the start line you want to get out there. Oh God, yeah, like all my my friends back home that I train with. I'm part of a really cool club, Tri Preston, back home. You know, really proud to represent the teal i've got some really good training partners back home who are who i train with all the time uh, just a great community in the northwest of of great britain and we've got ironman uk bolton obviously um so yeah 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 absolutely that, that whole northwest community is is awesome and what's what's your plans for the rest of the year you know it's it's hard when you do a, a really early season race and then you've got the whole yeah. summer in front of you what's what's your plan from here well, yesterday I'd retired from triathlon, <laughs> and then t- today I'm I'm back doing the races that I've entered, which is Ironman UK in eight weeks' time, and oh. Ironman Ireland in August. So another two, but I find them less um, less of a big kind of strain on their, on you know the rest of life when the home races and you can just drive to them. Yeah. Uh, just a, a quick, couple of other questions is um you know for the people that want to sort of try to get to your level what what does a typical training week look like for you so i do train a lot and i and i think the yeah and a typical day did you say sorry uh, a, tip, a typical week you know what, what are your sort of weekly averages you know number of swims bikes runs and, and roughly sort of the the total hours you're doing so this this time is this is the most I've ever trained for an event, and I've averaged in the last six weeks twenty one and a half hours, yeah, which is a lot. Yeah, I do like three three swims, maybe about four or five bikes, and I run almost every day, just because I enjoy running the most, and mm. you know I like getting out in the hills running. Mm. But yeah, that's I've kind of got to the stage where it's 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 age is going to catch up with me soon and, and I'd like to go for that umaka or you know at least see what I'm capable of yeah. for a year or two and, and what, so yeah that's what's your what's your nine to five I work in finance so in investment analysis of of um, ships that service wind farms oh, so it's quite, it's quite a niche a niche kind of arm of finance but it allows me to sit on my bum all day and recover <laughs> yeah so it, it works quite well with, with 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 triathlon as a hobby excellent oh no look uh seventh in your age group is awesome i know you want to get two pegs higher but that's uh still an awesome <laughs> yeah. performance and um yeah it's just nice to get another perspective from someone especially who's been to kona and can can give that contrast on what they're like and uh yeah sounds like a cool experience with the with the run with the, the two lap run where you are able to to run alongside some legends for for a short period which is yeah. um which is pretty cool yeah. so yeah nice work on your racing Oh, thanks very much, John. Really good to talk to you.
We're going to get back to a few more interviews in a moment, but we are doing a coach's corner brought to you by Morton Nutrition. So yes. tell, me, tell me about it, John. So at the weekend, you guys saw um, Blumenfeld crushing it at St. George, um, and you saw him going for his Morton Nutrition quite a lot. Now he was he was carrying a bottle for, for quite extended periods he of was, time. Wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, so he is a big Morton user. And I'm talking to them, those guys, those Norwegians are taking in huge quantities, you know, over 100 grams of carbohydrate per hour. I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Braden Curry might have been on Morton as well. You've got the likes of Jan Fredino, Flora Duffy, Kipchoge, Christian Eden, and others also using it. And I've been playing around with it a bit as well myself. So I'm back training post-COVID. I uh, had to be pretty careful with the old comeback. But late last week, was able to get in a couple of key sessions and I've really got to start testing my nutrition out. Also train the stomach to be dealing with it. Um, getting some sort of baseline numbers at, at race intensity. So to remind you guys of the Morton products, They've got a drink called the Drink 320, which has got 80 grams of carbohydrates, and you're only having that in a 500 ml bottle. Uh, they've also got another drink called the 160, which has got 40 grams of carbohydrates. So that's still a bit more than, say, a regular sports drink, but um, not as much as their sort of double dosage. And then their gels uh, have got 25 grams of carbohydrate. The difference with the Morton um, product is their delivery mechanism. Mm. You know, it's called the hydrogel technology that they... Um, you know, talk about getting to your small intestine a lot more efficiently. Um, the gels are also very different to other gels. Uh, I, it still surprises me every time I have them. You, you sort of take them down, and it's like jelly. You sort of, it's just, a, it's, it's a little bit weird, uh, but no flavour, and just goes down so so easy. And as I said, heaps of athletes are showing they can take in, you know, significantly more. Such an advantage. Mm. You, can, you know, if you're taking 100 grams of carbohydrate now. Yeah, and so what I've been doing last week is sort of just testing things out, and I, you know, I want to get my intake uh, a little bit higher, and I've got to test that at race nutrition. So I'm doing the Kona seventy point three in about three and a half weeks. Um, a little bit behind the the eight ball with with COVID, but uh, yeah, on Thursday last week went out and did a fifty five or a little warm up run, and then fifty five kilometer ride at best case scenario power output for 70.3 so I was riding at 265 watts uh, and then did a 10k run off the bike at sort of half Ironman effort as well so the bike was taking me around about 90 minutes uh, and on the bike I took in the drink uh, 320 so that was giving me 80 grams of carbohydrate plus a couple of gels so I took in 130 grams of carbohydrate in total that's 86 grams per hour roughly uh, <clears throat> and then on the run uh, I would have normally taken two gels but only end up taking one and seemed to be able to handle that really really well had a had a good session no stomach upset or anything like that and one of the key things for me especially going to hot races is once you have the, the take the product in you don't have that sort of I don't know, burning sensation in your mouth or that sensation where the gel kind of just sits in your mouth and you can taste it for the next five minutes. Um, once you take the gel and just go straight down and, uh, and you just carry on with the job. So that was a success in terms of me getting in more carbohydrate per hour than what I normally would, especially at a half Ironman intensity. And then Saturday, um, went out and did a big bike ride. Um, started out nice and early. Uh, it was 168 kilometres. With I did three times one hour at 75% of FTP. So that's working, you know, you know around about Ironman effort um, or just a touch harder. Uh, ended up having you know breakfast before I went. Had two of the drink mix 160, uh, three gels, which is uh, an M's bar, a one square meal bar, and 
all up, I was averaging about 70 grams of carbohydrate per hour, um, which is around about what I'd normally have in an Ironman, and that went down very, very easily, and I surprisingly felt sensational. Oh, really? So uh, it was one of the, it was just coming off, you know, seven days of doing nothing, and a hard session on Tuesday, a Thursday, and back it up on Saturday, and we've got this road in Christchurch, the end of this ride we do, it's called the Gorges, and you go down the old West Coast Road, and it's... About 40 kilometres long, so uh, at a good effort it's taking you an hour and it's just straight and the road surface is you know, a bit mediocre in places and it's just straight, straight, straight and you're getting pretty tired. Felt the best I've ever felt going down that road and it was like, you know those that feeling like often you're looking down at your power meter and you're going, you're trying to sort of chase the power and you're having to work to keep it. It's one of those days you're just looking down. Every time I look down it's like, sweet, I'm going bang on and it's feeling pretty comfortable oh, so nice. I was pretty pleased so my Morton experimentation so far has been pretty good you know, you're proving what everyone else knows yeah um, you know I've done one other experiment earlier on and, and I overdid it a little bit in that one took on too much in the first hour so this is a key thing when you're trying new, new different nutrition strategies you know you'll see what the pros are taking and if they're taking way over 100 you're going all oh, right let's try that but it's very personalized so you've just got to do you know a good five or six sort of key sessions and really test things out and find out that uh, sort of formula that works for you. But so far, you know, I haven't hit the 100 grams of carbs per hour, but for that session I did last Thursday, 86 seemed to work very well for me. Jeez, it's awesome. So that's, that, that's quite exciting when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, it's just the nutrition just lets so many people down and it's not always just about what you're taking. You know, there's a big component is in terms of you know your intensity that you're going at but you know if you can go through a race and take that nutrition out of the equation in terms of not just the the delivery of of energy but just not vomiting on the side of the road or not just getting bloated and completely blocked up and the other big thing with Morton is you know it's going to be on the course so for me when I go to Kona 70.3 I'll be carrying my nutrition but on the run I haven't decided yet whether I'm just going to pick up gels on the course or not but it's just so nice to know I can trust the course nutrition. Yeah, great stuff. I guess if you want to if you want to check it out, if you haven't already checked it out, which by now surely you you must uh, go to Morden. What's the website? Morden.com and uh, check it out. Uh, highly recommend. Getting great feedback. The best athletes in the world are using it. If you're an athlete, so should you. I guess we've got some more age group athletes coming up. Here they are right now. Who we got, John? Uh, right, we've got Laura Can. She's an Australian. Um, she went over there, did 14 hours and 22 minutes. Uh, so you're going to hear from her. And then we're going to have Mike Hansen. We had to have a Kiwi on there, and there wasn't many Kiwis going over there because it's been pretty unpredictable whether you'd be able to race or not. Uh, but Mike's, he came on Epic Camp last year, real character. The interview quality with the Mike interview is not the greatest. It was The Wi-Fi was a bit patchy. So hang in there. He's a good fella, and uh, he had a good day as well. So thanks for all those age groupers for coming on. Yeah, great stuff you there. Okay, team, uh, I was just talking to the next guest uh, and I was pointing out her profile picture does not necessarily paint the picture of a triathlete. She's standing there with a snowboard uh, with snow in the background. But our next guest, Lara Can, she raced at St. George over the weekend and did a 14-22-14 uh, in the 35-39 to 39 age group. Uh, and she swam 109 Biked to 7.26 and ran a 5.30. So welcome along to the show, Laura. Lara, sorry, not Laura, Lara. No worries. Nice to be on. Um, right. Tell, tell us a bit about yourself. As I said, your, um, your, your profile picture is snowboarding. So how does snowboarding and, and triathlon fit together? 
Oh, it doesn't very well, actually. Generally, I um, yeah, when I go up to um, the snow for the winter, it's my training sort of goes a bit downhill and it ends up being indoors and the treadmill and on, on Zwift and not much swimming. Um, yeah, there's no pools really close to me either. So um, my winters are sort of my off time and, yeah, summers are really my training for Ironman time. And, and this year I was actually planning on doing Port Mac and then Cairns and I'd, I'd entered both of them, well, what, two years ago before COVID let, um, you know, no one out of Victoria head up to yeah. races. So, um, yeah, the plan was to go to Port Mac um, a week ago. And, yeah, I got an all-world athlete spot um, probably, what, six weeks before that um, and just went, oh, this is an opportunity of a lifetime for me. I'd love to get to Kona. Um, I'd already done seven Ironman races um, up until yesterday. Um, yeah. And yeah, when I saw the opportunity, I was like, this is going to be awesome. Utah is amazing. It's beautiful. It's going to be tough, but I'm going to go. So yeah, my coach and I packed up and went for nine day trip and yeah, on our way home now. So um, I'm glad I, I took the spot and um, yeah, gave it a crack. It was definitely the toughest race I've ever done. That's for sure. So was the, the motivation partly, uh, obviously go to Utah is pretty cool, but you know, for, for Kiwis and Aussies, you know, who have been locked down, probably a lot harder than, than some other places in the, in the world, especially in Europe and the States and so on. Was it a case of, I just want to get the hell out of here for a while and, and go and experience something pretty cool rather than doing a, doing a home race? Oh, it was, but um, I travel a fair bit and I only work sort of summer and winter jobs. So I, I have a fair bit of time off in between the two seasons. And um, I generally go to Hawaii for about a month in October every nice. year. And I've done that for like the last 16 years. So I've, I've been over and, supported mates in Kona and volunteered a couple of times and um, my coach will be racing this October um, hopefully as well and yeah just I guess traveling for me is something I absolutely love doing but um yeah I've always wanted to do an Ironman race in America somewhere and when this opportunity came up it was like this is a world title a world championship sorry might not ever happen out of Kona so ever again and to me that was like that's epic and I've got an invite and um I'm just going to go and give it my best crack. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. I'm so glad I did it. So, so, yeah. so you've been to Kona, you know, as, as you said, as a supporter or a volunteer. And so you've kind of seen the circus that is over there. And I've asked all the other people on the show, this similar sort of questions, you know, what was it, what was it like for, for you in St. George contrasting it to what you've experienced in, in Kona? Well, obviously, you know, a little bit different, like, you know, Hawaii is just such a, a beautiful place with beaches and water and everything, whereas, like, you know, Utah is so dry and desert and the people are awesome here too. They're so friendly and, and great. Like, it's completely different scenery for one and I absolutely love the beach, so I guess that's why Kona is such a mm. draw card as well. But, like, in terms of weather and everything, man, this place is hot. This place is yeah. dry. It's crazy. Mm. But, you know, the, the draw of coming over here is, like, it's just it's another beautiful place of the world as well and like national park was awesome to see zion for one day when we had a yeah. you know a little bit of a drive out there and just riding some of the hills and stuff through all the like snow canyon is beautiful and just being able to be part of the race in, in that sort of sense was awesome you know like i my dream is to do kona and one day i hopefully i'll get there but um yeah this what? is pretty brutal 
Uh, talk us through your race uh, in terms of swim, bike, run, and maybe for for you know the Aussie listeners or people who've done races in Australia, sort of contrast it to to some of the Aussie events. So yeah, talk through your race and and what it was like compared to, to other Ironmans you've done. You you have said it was the hardest one, but but sort of talk us through it. Yeah, well, like I'm a I'm probably a stronger swimmer out of those three disciplines, and like I love ocean water swimming and being out in cold water and things like that, but. You know, the first leg yesterday was the water was pretty cold. Um, yeah. Probably not as cold as what it is in Melbourne at the moment. But um, yeah, I ended up putting my booties on, thinking, yeah, I don't want to have cold feet when I get off. Um, you know, when I get off to you know that first start on the bike, I just didn't want to be cold and didn't really need them by about you know ten minutes in, thinking, oh, what have I done? But um, had a great swim, like just kind of chilled. My whole race plan was I just want to finish. Um, like you know, for me. 14 hours is probably a bit of a longer time being out there. Um, I was, you know, I would have loved to go um, a lot quicker, but I didn't look at my watch all day. The only time I looked at my watch was when I got over the finish line, hugged my coach and I was like, Brian, I don't even know what time I've done and I don't care. <laughs> Finishing was just my goal. And um, yeah, so you know, getting through that swim was just, let's just cruise. I had a really good time out there. It was super nice. The water was good crash into anyone I got out of the water and I was just under you know 110 so I was happy with that and yeah and then got on my bike and just I don't know had heaps of fun on the last well on the first few hills probably the first like 35k was just I felt really good and you know it was a little bit of a light wind it wasn't too warm and yeah once we started like the climb out to um Gunlock was just I was cooking I was so hot and probably sunburnt by like I don't know 10 30 11 yeah. just couldn't get enough ice and you know water throwing over my head I started stopping at a few aid, aid stations because I saw other people doing that and I just needed to cool down it was just getting really hot out there and the wind was pretty brutal and like I'd trained for the amount of elevation in the course um so for me I trained actually pretty well for this course I knew it was going to be steep and, and hot and tough but um yeah I didn't feel terrible until I guess Snow Canyon for that last loop and um yeah like I don't know I think the worst thing for me out on the bike was I was just so hot and I just couldn't cool down and yeah obviously today I've got some pretty bad sunburn but I had a ball I played it safe and took my um, deep dish wheel off the front of my bike and had fun zooming down hills and probably broke my own speed record, I reckon, coming back into town. And nice. that was cool. And, yeah, and then um, well, when just, I got just, off the just bike... Just I... back it up there to, to the Snow Canyon because um, the last guy I chatted yeah. to, he, he went like 9 hours 35, so he was a speedster. Um, and he said, you know, it was a bloody struggle just to get up that Snow Canyon. For someone in your sort of position, you know, riding, I think it was, you know, seven hours-ish um, for the bike, you know, what put, put that hill into contrast? You know, was it the hardest hill you've had in an Ironman or what, what was it like? Yeah, oh, no, I think the wall might have been harder than that. Oh, no, the one yeah. before that. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? It was really funny because I rode up all the hills and I was passing people and I was like, come on, people, what's going on? But <laughs> there was actually, I think I counted 21 people walking up the hill when I rode oh, really? up the wall. Um, and then when I was going up Snow Canyon, um, there were still people walk, uh, walking up that as well. But I didn't find it as bad. I think maybe I had mentally in my head that I was nearly at the finish line and, you know, I'd trained to, you know, ride some hills with some pretty heavy sore legs. So, yeah, I don't know. It was tough and it was really, really steep. 
that I, I feel like the wall was tougher than it. And for me. Count, counting those people, was that for your own motivation or entertainment or just something to pass the time? A bit of both, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One person next to me was like, How many people are walking up this hill? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I rode past that guy and then started counting and was just like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, yeah, nice. funny. It, uh, it did make me think, Am I going to get off and walk? And yeah, I was like, No way, I'm not getting off this bike and walking. <laughs> awesome. And then the run, obviously, the run sounded like a challenging day. It was up and down all day. How did that pan out for you? Yeah, yeah, got off the bike and yeah, took my time in transition, changed my socks, which I probably never would have done any other race and said hello to my coach, you know, had a hug from him and was like, oh my God, I feel sick. And I think I just, I hadn't had like my nutrition. I just didn't get enough in. And that's definitely when my stomach started to cramp and feel horrible. And I said, this is going to be really slow, bro. You know, I'd trained running hills as well. So I thought, yep. I can do it but my race plan was just if you need to walk up those hills just walk up the hills and then run down the hills and that's what I did yeah. um and yeah so you know I probably could have gone a bit faster but I was having fun out there talking to other people and and, and I kept thinking to myself geez it's hurting more when I walk I need to keep running so <laughs> yeah that was a bit of a long marathon for me for sure Nice. But um, I'm glad I got through it. And, you know, once the sun went down, that was my happy place. And I was, I was so hot up until that point. And then, yeah, when the sun went down, I felt that a little bit better. But, um, that's, a, that's a good yeah, question. Was, like in, in Kona, you're, you know, the handout glow sticks when the sun goes down, there's no light out there in a lot of the places. Um, was the course fully lit for those people that, that were out after dark? And, and what time did it get dark? Yeah, it was probably getting dark around like 8.30. It was probably pretty dark. And then quarter to nine, nine o'clock was pretty dark. There were a few bits that were not lit very well. I think I got offered a glow stick or on the way back, but I was like, nah, I don't want it because I only had like five Ks to go or something. But um, it was pretty dark, probably the last 10 Ks for me, um, coming back up probably the biggest hill, back down into town. Um, and... Yeah, that was, it was kind of fun because there was a guy running in front of me and he had this huge cowboy hat on and a torch and he kept like flashing it around and then like pointing out things on the road that were like, oh, there's a hole over here, another gap over here. And, and he was hilarious. So yeah, cowboy man, I don't know who he was, but it was pretty funny. But um, awesome. I think it, it felt like there's this one section in the run in Port Mac that gets really dark. And it reminded me of that, like this long, dark, lonely stretch of road that's like 5Ks out, 5Ks back and not much lighting. It did remind me of that. <laughs> awesome. Oh, it sounds like yeah. it's a wicked experience. So well done. Uh, any thank yous? You, you mentioned your coach there, but we don't know his surname. So any, any sort of thank yous you've got out there that uh, got you to the start line and, and helped you along the way? Yeah, my coach, Brian Curran, who's sitting next to me right now, he's a great travel buddy and has been yeah. coaching me for, I'm not sure how many years. I think we did our first, well, I did my first IMM with him 2016 in Cairns and um, I raced Port Mac with him before as well. So, yeah, I've done Port Mac twice. Nice. And, no, hang on. Oh, no, Port Mac three times, Cairns three times and Bustleton once. And, awesome. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I don't know, all my friends and family and everyone – Back home, I've had so many messages of support and love and even my high school and swimming club and workplace and all that sort of stuff. And just, yeah, it's awesome that everyone's been behind me and, you know, just 
some Aussie chick going out to live my dreams doing Iron Man. Half the people I think who've sent me messages don't even know what Iron Man is and how <laughs> long the distances are. So, you know, everyone was trying to track me on the app and everything. It was awesome to have so much support. And yeah, I haven't replied to any of them yet, but I will. <laughs> awesome. Uh, it sounds like you had a great time out there. So well done. Thanks for uh, sharing some time on your, on your travels as you, as you're heading home. Are you heading to Kona or are you heading home? Uh, heading to, well, we're going to have a bit of a long stop over in Hawaii. We've got eight hours. So yeah, yeah we're going to hope that our bags are checked away all the way through. And we're going to see if we can go and have breakfast by the beach at Dukes and maybe go for a swim in the ocean and then get back in a taxi and go back to the airport and fly to Melbourne. So, awesome. um, it's not a very long stop over, but yeah, back to work on Wednesday. Brilliant. Oh, well, thanks so much for your time. No worries. Thanks. Righto team, as you heard earlier on, um, we're going to talk to a couple of age groupers about the St George experience. We're gonna, we hear so much from the pros, but um, most of us are age group athletes, so we want to hear from, from some of them as well. And one of those um, you guys will have heard from last October, a guy called Mike Hansen. He was on our epic camp over here uh, as a butcher from down near Ashburton, which is quite close to Christchurch in New Zealand, and he was out there smoking it around the course at St George at the weekend. Um, he quite Qualified to at Ironman New Zealand, and then he went over there, did a 12:23 um, at St George, and I'm just pulling up his splits now. If the app decides to work for me, or it's not going to, but anyway, Mike did 12:23, and I'll, I'll get that open in a second. So, Mike, um, fill us in. You know, what 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 made you choose uh, to go to St George when I think you possibly had the option to go to Kona as well? Yeah, so we had the option to go to Kona and um, always wanted to go there, so we did We did book to go to Kona, so we still got a slot to go to Kona. Um, we got the one to go to St George, the um, AWA Gold, um, that's a, I was in with the Ironman, um, sent me a, a link that AWA Gold could join into the, the World Champs here as well, since it was 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, um, yeah, so into that one as well, just to go and have a trial to see see what the weather's like in America, of course, and St. George, very, very hot, and similar to Hawaii, I suppose, but um, just a bit of a test run. Awesome. Okay, so I've got Mike Splits there. He did, uh, uh, the app is really slow to work. There we go. Uh, one hour 13 in the swim, 6.24 on the bike, and 4.32 on the run plus transitions. So, uh, Mike, so first, fill us in on the, the course. Just go through, like, the, the swim the bike and the run, uh, and what it was like, I guess, compared to what you thought it might be like. Okay, yeah, just the swim um, was at San Polo. It was about half an hour away from town, so we'd all bus out in the morning. Um, we went to practice swim on the Wednesday, and it was about 14 degrees. It was like starting to go swimming at home on the edge of winter, and it's real cold. <laughs> so uh, on, on, the, on the race day, I was all right, though. It was warmed up to 17 degrees, so just in, in, a, in a pond, like a big lake, um, reservoir the head and yeah it was really nice it's like same thing just split starts and age group waves uh, yeah so we had a, had a pretty good swim actually I didn't really bump into anyone except a, a few corners got a bit rough and ready but otherwise it was really good um, so we got out of that right and it's about now now 15 or something for a swim so you swim at 110 120 what it depends what's happening don't like since I don't have a lot of time for swimming just try to uh, put more into biking and running uh, yeah, so we did that. That's all right. And the next bit got onto the bike, of course. And by this stage, it's probably already warmed up to 20 degrees, if not 25 degrees. Uh, so there's lots of hills out at Sand Hollow. So we did it out and back, about a 20k out and back there. 
uh, yeah, and then we biked off into town, so it gave us a bit of a loop out. That was about 90k once we got to town. We headed off out the other side, um, Snow Canyon, uh, way out the, up the top of the hills, and there's like heaps of hills at 120k, I suppose. Got a few more hills, and very windy as well. It's been, you know, probably 30, 30 degrees, if not even hotter. So once we got through that Snow Canyon pathway, uh, yeah, quite quite steep, so sort of running on seven to ten percent, I think they were saying some of the hills. So it was pretty, pretty steep, pretty hot. Yeah. So so hard work on that bit. So then we it, got on down into the, it, it, just just in terms of the, the for for our Kiwi listeners, you know, um, uh, what what's the road conditions like compared to say New Zealand? You know, you said it's hilly, but you know, in terms of the roads, uh, are they just beautiful and smooth? Yeah, most of the roads are pretty good. Um, yeah, the Sand Hollow by the where we swim, it was all quite nice and smooth. Big highways, like um, three lanes sort of each way, so you're quite rolly and um, real smooth. It's sort of like concrete, but they have a wee grooves in some. Sometimes it's a wee bit bumpy, but otherwise it's really good. It seems seem quite fast, but always been warned in the in the heat, in the hills and stuff, just to... Take it easy in the first bit just to see what it's like so I didn't push too hard. And, um, yeah, once we got it back through town, nice in town as well, once we got out there and stuff like that, or away from there, back through town, up to the Snow Canyon. And that, um, yeah, it was a wee bit, wee bit bumpy up the top and the very, very top, but all, all the roads going up through there are very, very smooth. Um, so it's just lot, lots of bits where they join. I think they join the roads with, with the concrete and that just makes a bit of a bump. And then talk, talk us through that run. Um, yep, so I tried to save as much energy as I could for the run because I wanted to try to do a good run. I've been um, doing running at home, sort of run marathons and stuff around 3.30, no problems. Uh, four hours if I have to, but yeah, it was just quite hilly again, running straight out of town and um, nice on the, on the pathways and they've got huge walkways and nice areas for running and underpasses under all the roads, so it was like, really good for that, lots of parks. And run around, and lots of good aid stations. Just the same thing. It was just like really hot, running like 33 degrees. So, and, and some bits you get no wind and hardly any shelter at all. It's just, just scorching, eh? The black off the road, burning up as well. So it's quite a hard day out. So trying, the boys at home trying to want me to run the whole way. So I run the whole way except the aid stations. So I stopped at a couple of glasses of water to go on my head, really, and then just. Just keep running the whole way. Nice. Um, and we uh, compare it to, say, an Ironman New Zealand, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, how hard it was and, and times and things like that. Um, yeah. So it's like just, yeah, it's definitely the hardest Ironman that I've done. Probably it's my 10th Ironman. Uh, I've done a couple of in Australia and the rest of in Taupo, New Zealand, which is really nice, rolly New Zealand, nice swimming stuff. But here it was just, just really hot, like 33 degrees and windy and the black tar and stuff shining up into your face and stuff. It's just just hot the whole time. So the so the boys at home tried to told me just, just try to run, whatever, don't have to run fast, you just have to run the whole way. So pretty much did that the whole way. So I run the whole lot, except the aid stations, got a couple of glasses of Coke and a couple of glasses of water really to go on my head at every aid station for the whole day. Didn't really eat too much anything else just maybe some chips towards the end but otherwise keep that coat going and um, yeah just try to make it to the end nice 
Awesome. And did it, did it feel like a World Champs? I know it's, you haven't been before, but did it, did it feel to you when you're out there like, holy shit, this is this is the World Champs? Yeah, it was was like that because there's so many people, like all the ones or the other. I mean, I've done this probably a 1,000 people, maybe 1,500, but there's just so many people. There's, you, know, you just couldn't believe how many people were there for the World Champs. And it was really good. They had a real good event. Like, it seemed about, we turned up on the Tuesday, <clears throat> and it was a bit um, quiet and um, around town, but once the weekend came and everyone turned up, it was just, just packed. It was just the biggest event they've ever done. It was great. Did a really good job. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Oh, it sounds like it's good preparation for Conus. So you got a bit of heat, you got a bit of bit of uh bit of wind and uh and a good challenging course, so you should be well primed for Conus. So awesome. Anything else you want to point out about your experience over there, Mike? Um, yeah, no, it was good to see um other New Zealand. We got Craig Hamilton who was staying with the motel with yeah. us. He was he was with us, it was good. And then um yeah, Braden Curry of course coming in third when we caught up Braden a couple of times during during the week and yeah, it was real good to catch up and get him on third. Awesome. Love your work, Mike. Yeah, Trooper, you did awesome on the camp last year, and it's great to see you getting some uh, some international experience and look forward to seeing you kick some butt in Kona. So thank, thanks so much for your time, and I'm glad we got you before the prize giving because uh, I know it might be a uh, big night. Yeah, thanks, John. Awesome. Cool. So, John, but I haven't listened to this, so what was the general feel? General feel, it was awesome. Oh, really? And, I, I mean, I should have, if, if I'd got more interviews and if we'd been on the ground, you've got to go and interview the people that had a rubbish day as well and get yeah. their perspective. I did see a couple of people on Facebook that I know saying it was just insanely hard, it was brutal, hardest course oh, okay. I've ever done, exploded. <laughs> okay. uh, but when we go to Kona, the percentage of people that have a good day out there is pretty yeah. low. And it's just one of those really special years. Remember that one year where everyone came in and go, oh, it's amazing day. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's, one year. It's just, you know, it's the bell curve as most things is. You know, you get plenty of people who have lots of average races. You have a few that have great races and a lot of people that have below average to crap races. And I suspect it was the same over there. But the overall feeling was, and, and, the, and I've heard this from some of the pros as well, is a big difference is that St George is a city, Kona is a town, and in Kona it is in your face the whole time. You yeah. can't go anywhere without there being a bloody thousand ironmen around you. And in St George, that was the one thing that was different. Not necessarily bad for some people, but that was probably one of the key differences. You heard from... Um, uh, Daniel and he was sort of saying you know in terms of the strength of field top end was was good but you didn't have perhaps the depth of Kona now I would give them the excuse that because of COVID that might be one of the reasons like no Kiwis travelled yeah I bet hardly any Aussies would have travelled um, and there's always that uncertainty from a lot of places around the world is this world champs really going to happen um, so I think that contributed to it plus they did you know obviously invited um non-qualified athletes, um, AWA athletes and so on. But it sounded like at the front end, it was pretty good. So I thought it was awesome. And yeah, yeah I would love to go and do that race. It looks brilliant. Good experiment case as well. Like, you know, like who knows if this leads to any change in the future. And if you're a betting person, you probably say it's not going to. Uh, Kona is the golden ticket. It's got the history, you know, and that's great. But it was quite nice just to try this. Um, it's going to come down to dollars and cents. And if Iron Man can see, can go, I think we can make it have our cake and eat it, I reckon they'll go for it. Oh, so you actually think there could be a future where there's something different? Mm, I do. Mm. And, I, and I think it's, I think change is good. So I, I think Kona every second year or every third year would be, um, would be great. 
the main thing is, and this is the number one thing for me, is if you're taking the World Champs out somewhere else, you've got to have an awesome course, like they did at St George. You know, going somewhere like Nice would be awesome, but if you just take it to somewhere that puts in the best bid... If, uh, if we had to do that, how does it change the calendar for the athletes? Because the nice thing about every year is, you know, okay, I'm mm, working October, for October, yeah. you know... Um, that changes the game a little bit, doesn't it? it yeah, certainly. I hadn't really thought about that too much. Um, so yes, yes, it does. Um, you know, but also it gives every year being October, although pro athletes travel around the world, but it does give advantages to different continents. Hmm. So I'd love to see it, say go Kona, St George, somewhere in Europe. You know, whether it be Nice or something like that. It would be cool to see it in Europe. Yeah, and, and like rotate Germany. it, rotate it around those three or something like that. But. I'd, Really, really adamant. It needs to be an iconic course. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's go. Wanger of the week. week. Okay, we've got old Daniel. Now, is Daniel, Daniel, um, his last name is Paparov? Yeah, so I picked out number 20 on the list. And yeah, Daniel Paparov. I, th- I, th- I think he's our, our, our Israeli correspondent. No, I don't think so. Oh, is he not? No, but I think you are right. He's from Israel. It looks like he's training in Israel. He's probably yeah. from Israel. Did 20 hours of training last week, 2 hours, 30 minutes swimming, uh, t- 11, uh, 12 hours and 11 minutes on the bike, and 5 hours and 18 minutes on the run uh, for 20 hours and 0 minutes in total. So a nice round number. And his primary club is the 300-watt club. So he's obviously pretty decent on the bike. Um, he likes to post a few pictures of, of some of the food he's been eating when he's finished training. Coffee and a bit of chocolate brownie, some gherkins in there, a drink. With What's your favourite post-training snack? Um, um, like when, you know, when you, you've done six hours, you're mm. starving. Definitely along with savoury savory route, you know. Um, on Epic Camp's last couple we've had, We've had some bacon and egg pie. That's oh, been pretty. That's, pretty that's been pretty bloody. Good old Coupland's. Sorry, Coupland's. no. This was high end. Oh. Uh, high end. I don't mind a Coupland's bacon and egg pie. Yeah. No pa- pastry <laughs> smooth. What about you? Do you know what I did? Like a cookie time. Oh yeah. 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 Cookie, double double chocolate cookie time back in the day. Mm-hmm. They get me through the next hour or so. That was always good. You also like your chips as well. Yeah, I do like potato chips. Yep. Yeah. You but do. if I was, uh, uh, they'll complement something else. Okay. Uh, a nice bit of cheese on toast or something like that. Just oh. something cheesy or pizza. Um, yeah, Daniel's been smanking around Israel. Um, got, got lots of good, good group rides. Yeah. yeah, big group rides there. So they must have a pretty good setup there. So nice work, Daniel. You are our winger of the week. Okay, let's go to your quiz question. So how many times has Jonathan Brown, I mean, Ellie Brownlee, yes. done an Iron Man? Okay, let's think about this. Uh, I'm going to say six. No way, Jose. Too many? Yeah. Is it four? Well, let's count them up, shall we? Uh, he did Ironman... Wales? Uh, no, it was Ireland. Ireland, was it? Ireland. And then he did Kona. Did Kona? And he's done Western Australia. Western Australia. And I think that's it. Oh. So I think the number is three. And I'm on his profile now. Okay, here we go. Count them Athletes. Last year, 20... I'm at the wrong... Hasn't he done two corners? Sorry? Hasn't he done two corners? Don't think so. Because didn't the first one he pull out of? Oh, I'm on the wrong person. Oh, I'm looking at Jonathan Brown. Oh. oh, God. I was like, oh. Oh. Alistair Brownlee didn't go to the Olympics last year. Shut up and up. He didn't win a gold medal for the teams. Yeah. Okay. It's a great podcast. Oh, people are loving this. Yeah. Yep. 
Alistair Brownlee. Here we go. Ellie Brownlee. is 34 years old, 70 kilograms according to this, 1 metre 84 centimetres. His current world ranking, 274. He's got to work on that. <laughs> uh, so last year he didn't do any Ironmans. And the year before that, 20, or 2019, he did Western Australia and Hawaii and Ireland. So, so how many is Three it? in 2019, and that's all he's done. Really? Hmm. Yep. Okay, well, there you so go. So 2020. What did you, you, you say your answer was going to be? I said it was three. Well, I you, got it correct. You win. Here's one thing we haven't talked about today, which does need to be acknowledged. Bloomingfield getting the Olympic gold in the Ironman World Championships in the 12-month period. Oh, it was amazing. That's a significant moment in our mm. sport. Yeah. Like you, you'd never really think that could happen, would you? No, no, definitely no. It's never been done before. And you wouldn't really pick it either, would you? Like you know, even Brownlee in his peak, you wouldn't have gone on. Oh, he's going to go and win Kona this year. No, no. I think the the stars aligned quite well in yeah, terms the, of timing and yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, no, because uh, he was going to do Kona as well, wasn't he? Yep, yep. No, we're, he was, he's going to he's going to do Kona later this year as well. Yeah, but he was going to go straight from the Olympics to Kona. Mm. That's a that's. That's he would have had less chance then, I would have thought, to, to do well. Just because he's tired? Mm. Well, and just less of build. When was the Olympics? July. We would have had August, September, October. Um, it's pretty phenomenal. Oh, yeah, no. It's you know, to be the, the, world ch- you know, the you know, world champion, the Olympics is the peak of that sport, mm. which is a far short sport to our race. Then to go on 10 months later and be the world champion in the long version of the race, that oh, yeah. is awesome. No, it is Bloody impressive. How did he go into 70.3s? Did he do 70.3s? Uh, he had mechanicals. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so well done. That, that, I do, can it ever happen again? Um, Highly unlikely. Yeah. Um, well, who, who knows? Um, you know, I think Flora Duffy would have been someone who could have potentially done it. We've never seen her race an Ironman, so you don't know. But when I look at the next crop, you know, think the next Olympics, someone like an Alex Yee or a Hayden Wild, Alex Yee, probably not. doesn't look like he's... Well, you know, they're, they're not going to go to the Ironman after the next Olympics anyway, are I they? I wouldn't have thought so. No. No, so, no beast, absolute beast. Nice work. It's absolutely stellar. History-making stuff, I tell you. History-making stuff. Yeah. Okay, watch the swim set. You didn't swim? swim. No, I did swim this morning. Uh, what did we do? We did 400 warm-up. We're alternating 75 free, 25 back. Then we did eight fifties, one drill, one build up, and then four four hundreds moderately hard. So that's sort of you know like Olympic distance type effort we were going at, uh, and we're getting about thirty seconds rest, two hundred easy, and then four one hundreds hard, and then two hundred warm down, three point two k. Okay, good stuff. Okay, let's say thank you to our patrons. Owen, the Sledge Master Hughes. We've got Mike, the Farmer of Fox Hewison. And Rob, the Greater Cummins. Well, if you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me, go through the process, click support the show, get a gift, go on a prize to win some awesome prizes. Also, let's say thank you to our sponsor. Morton. Uh, check them out at morton.com. My theory to this is at least give it a try. Absolutely. You know, it seems like a no-brainer. Uh, patrons done there. Uh, coaching, Coach John Newsom has Epic Camps, epiccamp.com. My website, bevanjamesisles.com. Other cool websites or other information, I'm talkpodcast at gmail.com. John, your goss. So, goss, got a romantic weekend Back coming up um, this weekend. Oh, oh. Where are you going? Queenstown for a couple of nights. Where are you staying in Queenstown? Uh, the Hilton. Mate, only the best for John Newsom. Yeah. Hey, uh, do you get it cheaper now because Queensland's we, dying? We got a deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, that was good. And so, I got a How long are you going for? Just a couple of nights. Do you fly? Fly down Friday, sort of the middle of the day, come back Sunday night. Do you hire a car? 
no, we're just, it's close to the airport, so we'll just hang out and get yeah. the boat into town and hang out. No kids, it's going to be gold. Got over the old COVID, which is... Um, well, when you, other than Shagan, what, what, what do you do on a romantic <laughs> weekend? Plenty of eating. eating, eating. Eat, like a, eat like a beast. Go for a couple of walks. Yep. And just... Uh, do you do like a big walk? Do you do that one up, up, up behind the um, gondola? gondola? Uh, no, the one I'm doing one behind Queenstown. I've never done before. They actually walk directly behind Queenstown. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I've never done Wait, that what, before. As in like heading towards like the Shotover Way or... No, it's sort of the town, the hills directly behind. I've got oh. it. Yeah, I'll, I'll inform you about that next week. Yeah. So that's it. That's it. That's it. Training seems to be back on track. I was, you know, um, I'm a bit, a bit on, a bit behind the eight ball, but based off last week's sessions, I'm reasonably happy with where things are at. So that's all good. Back in the hood. What's happening for you, Bevan? Did I tell you about how I, I, I was? I told some young boys off. Yes, you did. I did yeah. tell you that. Yeah, yes. yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, not much, John. This book is a lot. Don't tell us about the book again. <laughs> I'm just, I'm you, it's just kind of. I've written my diary because I write a diary every night, and I, I've written the next six stupid weeks, book. Six, no, not stupid book. <laughs> just it's just it's one of those times in life where you've got a time frame where you know you have to use every minute to get to the time frame on time. Hmm. Now, luckily, I'm very good time manager and good at using my time, so I'm, I've trusted I'm going to get there. But it is just, you wake up in the morning, here's the three tasks I need to get done today. You wake up the next day, here's the next two tasks. And the good thing is I enjoy the work. It's just, whoo, it's a lot of work. A lot of work, a lot of work. Uh, other than that, um, do you know what I do like, John? Here, here's a good question for you. What's your best second day food? Second day food? Well, you know when it's the second day. Second day. day. Uh, curries are normally pretty good second day. Second day curry? Yeah, we had a bit of curry yesterday from Sunday night. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And curry. Pizza, not so good. Oh, yeah. that was going to be my answer. Really? We had friends on Saturday night. you warm it up night. though or did you have it cold? Oh, bit of both. Yeah. Bit of both. Mm. So on Saturday night we had some friends over. We got, we got Domino's pizza. <laughs> Are you judging my pizza? <laughs> yeah. It's like that's the bottom of the bottom. That's like even below Pizza Hut. God, what you thrifty. Well, I'll tell you what, it only cost $70 and we got like 10 pizzas, so it was yeah. worked out well. Um, and they were right. I, I was happy. Yeah. How, do you get Hells? Yeah. Hells you pay like 30 bucks a pizza. Yeah, it's quality. Yeah, no, we, we went crazy the other day. We, what did you get? we spent twice what you did and there was only four of us. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> and the next day, because they went way too much pizza, so the next day, Watch the mighty vote for Warriors get their pens pulled down yeah. by, by less players. Uh, had pizza for dinner the next day. Lunchtime, because we had so much pizza, I had pizza, cold pizza, nighttime, in the microwave pizza. Right. Oh, it was good. Carb oh. crazy. Oh, I loved it. And then, mother, what did you do for Mother's Day? Uh, well, we didn't do much in the end because the weather was a bit pants. So uh, I dropped a box of chocolates around my mother. She was stoked. What kind of chocolates? Lint chocolates, the old lint balls, oh, yeah. a dozen yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. She was stoked. Uh, She's pretty easily pleased then, isn't she? Yes, yeah, she is. And we didn't do much other than that. I went out for lunch. It was actually quite lovely. My mother and my sister and I, we headed to Cafe Valentino. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a card place because mm-hmm. it's pizza and pasta. It's, it's Italian. Yeah. But tell you what, have you been there? Um, not for years. They deliver. The yeah. food was sensational. Mm. It was very good Italian food. I got a, a beef cheek... Something, we're good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'd be right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we walked in through town and it was quite lovely because it, the, the rain had stopped by the time we walked around town and basically every mother and their child was in town, <laughs> you know, having lunch. And it, but it was actually quite nice. It was quite 
Christchurch City, the quakes were horrible for Christchurch City, but it's becoming quite a cool spot, mm. the inner city. And it's still only kind of a halfway there. But another 10 years, our city's going to be awesome. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah. We so. get our new 50 metre swimming pool. Well, how far away is that? Uh, two years? No, I think maybe a year. It looks, it's an impressive facility. There'll be, your, there'll be your pool now, won't it? I hope so, yeah. There'll be plenty of parking as well. Good. Oh, John Newsom. I get it to wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indon. Train hard. Train smart. Kicker. Kicker.